Bizzle. We call the Jesse James. Jesse, aka the Bizzle. Yo, the Bizzle. Thank you. <laughs> the Bizzle. Thank you, the Bizzle. Yeah, the Bizzle. All right, ladies and gentlemen of the Bizzle cast. Here it is: the Big Mac, the Big Kahuna itself. Avengers Endgame, the highest-grossing film worldwide of all time. A great finale to eleven years of a bazillion Marvel Cinematic Universe movies. It's a long movie. I get a ton in during the commentary, so I'm going to lead you right in. All I will say is whether it was the first two Avengers movies directed by Joss Whedon, written by Joss Whedon, or the second two um, Avengers 3 and 4 directed by the Russo brothers and written by Stephen Marcus and Stephen McFeely. Um, I love all four Avengers movies. Um, and in my top 10 of Marvel Cinematic Universe films, the Avengers are easily in the top, all four Avengers, I should say, are in the top 7 to 10, along with Black Panther 1, Guardians of the Galaxy 1, Thor 1, and the Cap movies um, uh, are, are my top 10. And so while I don't love a lot of the other solo movies, not crazy about Ant-Man, not crazy about Doctor Strange, I love those characters in the Avengers movies. And I even, um, even the main characters who are so brilliant in the Avengers movies, like Thor and Iron Man, I don't necessarily love uh, um, all their solo films, but everyone gets better being in the giant superhero team-up movie. And it's my favorite thing in comic book movies are these Avengers movies. And goddamn, this one did not disappoint. So I hope you enjoy the commentary. I had an absolute blast, even more fun than I thought. This was actually only the third time I watched it. I saw it twice in the theater, once with my dad and once either by myself or with my friend. I can't remember. Um, and... Uh, while it does have some flaws, uh, which I will point out, none of them are game-breaking, as we would say in video gaming. Um, and it's unbelievably touching and also unbelievably reverential, um, especially to Joss Whedon's adventures, James uh, Gunn's Guardians of the Galaxy, and the other uh, great um, Marvel Cinematic Universe movies to come before it. So, without further ado, queue up your Blu-rays, DVDs, uh, um, or Netflix files, or whatever, uh, digital files, uh, to zero out or zero minutes, zero seconds. I'm going to count from three to two to one and say go. When I say go, you should hit play. Um, I will do a five count uh, from zero uh, just so you know for sure that you're aligned, but it won't be a problem. You will be um, aligned enough. Uh, definitely put on subtitles if you're listening quietly. I usually advise uh, you know a small amount of, of volume at least so you get the music and some of the sound effects and so forth, but I leave all of that micro tuning up to you. Thank you so much for joining me. It's been a great four and a half years of Bizzle casting. Um, I ha have done all the Avengers movies commentaries in a very bizarre order. I did Ultron almost at the beginning of the Bizzle cast because it had just come out. And then I did uh, an Avengers 1 commentary, which I never released. And then before Captain America Civil War, I did I redid Avengers commentary, which was much better than my solo one with Maddie G, which you should definitely check out, our Avengers 1 commentary. I did Avengers Infinity War with Simi, I believe late last year, and now I've done Avengers Endgame. Um, I've done all three Captain America movies, I've done Thor 1, I've done Black Panther, and so all, and Guardians 1. So all the movies in my top 10, I've done commentaries for at different times. Um, but I hope you enjoyed this one in particular as the, the the giant finale. It really flies by, especially for a, you know, a close to three hour movie, and um, yeah, let's do it. Let's enjoy this, whatever it takes. So get queued up, and here comes the countdown. Three, two, 
one, and go. One, two, three, four, five. Okay, people. Avengers Endgame, baby. Oh, yeah. Starts with Hawkeye, my dude, who I've been talking about and playing up since Age of Ultron. I love the family stuff, and they nail it here. This is so heartbreaking, starting with Hawkeye, who was so great in Age of Ultron with Joss Whedon writing for him. Hasn't had nearly enough screen time. Now we're getting a Hawkeye show with a new Kate Bishop, which is, as of this recording, it seems like it's Haley Steinfeld. We're not totally sure. This girl is adorable and great as young Kate Bishop, but, oh, there's Linda Cardellini from Freaks and Geeks. Jesus Christ. Christ, God bless her. She is so phenomenal. Who puts mayo on a hot dog? Probably your brothers. This is the bonding between the future Kate Bishop, hopefully played by Haley Steinfeld and Jeremy Renner, both Academy nominated actors. Here she goes. She's firing and boom, hits the target. This is so heartbreaking. I remember turning to my dad during the original like seeing of this movie the first time and already knowing where this was going in terms of killing our hearts and his family disappearing slash dying. He turns away. He looks at the target. Lila. Uh, who's Lila? Honey. Uh, Linda Carnellini's gone. Oh, man. Oh, man. Jeremy Renner just kills it in this film. Even Maddie G. I mean, Alistair uh, from Nova Stream uh, via Australia has been on the the Renner bandwagon with me in terms of Hawkeye, and we really got to see him strut as an actor in this film. Um, But Laura, there it is. But uh, even Maddie G and people who didn't like Hawkeye had to admit he was great in this. We got psychedelic rock song playing over the the opening credits. There's Black Widow, who is in the Avengers spot in May 1st, 2020. Check out that podcast. Oh, man. I think I got the subtitles on. I got to go full screen. There we go. I got the two monitors thing going. This was a very inspired choice. They could have gone totally silent and, you know, made us even more upset than we were and are about to get. Um, here we go. This is the We Think We're Gonna Die bonding uh, Robert Downey Jr. as Iron Man. They keep giving him amazing material. And so while I sympathize with people who are like, oh, it's all about Iron Man even more than Cap, blah, 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 look at the movies, I understand it, but they also keep giving Robert Downey Jr., whether it's the Russos uh, with these movies with Civil War or, you know, the Whedon Avengers movies, keep giving him amazing, amazing material, and he delivers like a motherfucker. Karen Gillan, I mean, you wouldn't, I've mentioned this before, and I, you know, I don't like to objectify people, but Karen Gillan in real life is a, a sort of buttoned up, gorgeous, redheaded actress from Ireland or Scotland or something, or England, somewhere in the Isles, and uh, there's the old Iron Man helmet. Um, you can't even tell with Nebula, um, and such a key relationship that was the most worthy thing about Guardians 2 and really carried over here. So this is, of course, setting up Tony's death 
Um, and the, the main thing I, I criticize about this film is not the predictability of the first act, which I mostly predicted, uh, by the way, on, on podcasts before this film, which I will mention, um, or the bizarre time travel hijinks of the second act, or the over-the-top return to the king, but no one seems to die, uh, violence in the third act, but just how much time they dwell on Tony's death compared to someone like Natasha, um, or other people who are dying. Uh, during all this um, but I do not think at all it was Robert Downey Jr. saying this has to be about me it's always been about me this also has to be about me here's them trying to fix the ship um, it's not going to work this is very Firefly there's an entire Firefly episode maybe one of the best uh, which I did release with Matty G I think because there's a few I didn't release there's one that's from Malcolm Reynolds perspective where the crew is gone and he's almost dead and the ship it looks like it's about to be destroyed and then we go through multiple time scenarios of you know b- before the show starts of, of seeing how he found the ship and fell in love with it and then the things that led up to these particular events um is very very similar to what is going on here um is that firefly episode and i'll just say it now you guys know i love joss whedon and i love the joss whedon avengers but i love what the russos did with the captain america movies and the avengers um and while the whedon ones will still be my favorite they were very these movies are all very much in the spirit of whedon's vision of the avengers and these great actors vision of the avengers and whedon was extremely extremely happy proud and honored um, by all of this. Uh, I know for sure just based on his lack of filter in online uh, you know, dialogue about this whole situation. So I, I'll just say it now. The four Avengers films, they're in my top seven to ten all Marvel films easily. It's not even close. And while I called the early part of this act almost beat for beat, I wasn't the only one. And because the relationships and the filming are so great, who fucking cares? I also call time travel quantum physics and so forth, but it ended up manifesting quite differently. So I won't go on and on about all the things I called, but I do want to say that I actually appreciate that if you really watch all of these movies closely from all the properties and all the characters and the team ups and so forth, that you can piece some of this together is actually a big uh, compliment and thank you to the Russos, Joss Whedon, and everyone else who's involved in these big productions. Um, Kevin Feige, obviously the head of Marvel Cinematic Universe. Here's Tony almost dying. Um, which is that I want to be able to figure out 80%, but then not guess the other 20%. And you know what? That is exactly what happened with this movie, even way more than previous movies. I, I really guessed a lot of this film on my podcast, but because of the performances, the character stuff, and the 20 to the 30% I wasn't prepared for, it just blew, knocked my socks off, as they say. Here it comes. And this, of course, is exactly what happens with Malcolm Reynolds. He's dying. He's ready to die in Firefly. And then, all of a sudden, a light. Now, here they run into good guys, thank God. In Firefly, he runs into bad guys who actually shoot him and make the situation worse. Typical Joss Whedon in Firefly fashion. 
But, you know, I don't disagree with people who say, look, Iron Man was the first. He was the, you know, the the foot in the door for people who weren't into comic book movies with Iron Man and Tony Stark's personality in particular. And we should celebrate that by giving him the lead roles in the final Avengers movies. But he's always had the lead roles. Oh, there's Captain Marvel, baby. I, look, I was hard on Brie Larson before Captain Marvel. I actually did not like Captain Marvel a whole lot. Here's Steve Rogers. But I ended up liking Brie Larson as Captain Marvel way more than expected. And my biggest problem with this film, I think, uh, among other problems, my biggest problem is that I actually wanted more Cal Danvers and more personality. Okay, so Steve is looking up. And here comes... Oh... Oh, who's flying this? Oh, Captain Marvel's flying this. This is so great. This is my complaint. And I said in the podcast, oh, here's Gwyneth looking amazing, is Captain Marvel should have been the one to give them the big pump-up Cap speech as opposed to Cap. Look at this face work by Brie Larson, giving such complexity to a very complex character who's not portrayed complexly in the uh, Captain Marvel movie, which is my problem. Couldn't stop him, neither could I. Hang on. Lost the kid. I'm going to listen to this a full volume. Although, based on my Matrix Reloaded podcast, it can't get worse than that. So, one of the many things I love about this film, and the Russos in general, is it not only pays homage to things I loved about Age of Ultron and don't understand that other people don't like, like the family stuff with Hawkeye. Oh, they're holding hands. Oh. Okay. But... Okay, Scarlett Johansson, May 1st, 2020. Watch that podcast if you haven't already gotten me sick of me saying May 1st, 2020. She is the Avengers film for next year as Scarlett Johansson. Look at this face work by Brie Larson. She knows Nick Fury. Oh, man. Look at at them. Chris Hemsworth looking spectacularly beautiful. This is very, you know, Winter Soldier, Civil War, Ultron era. Tony. Rocket. He thinks he failed. Yep. Which, of course, he did. There's a lot of that going around. Oh, man. Bradley Cooper as Rocket just killing it. Steve Rogers can't handle, you know, deep space scans. He just has to go along with it. Who told you that? I didn't fight him. No, he wiped my face with a planet while the... Here it comes. Here comes the the passive aggression that's just straight aggression towards Steve. Tony Stark should get a Lifetime Achievement Award. Sorry. Robert Downey Jr. should get a Lifetime Achievement Award playing Tony Stark in these movies. Here comes the Ultron references. He's losing it. Lucky we've Rhodey here, who's his best bud. Played by Don Cheadle, of course. When he needed... Right, a suit of armor around the world. A direct quote from Ultron. Yeah, which is what the argument was. It didn't work out. I said we'd lose. He says, you said to Cap, we'll lose together. And guess what, Cap? We lost. He wasn't there. Yeah. 
Sorry, it's going to be hard not to quote this because Stephen McFeely and uh, Marcus, who Marcus and McFeely, who wrote these movies, is so Avengers. I have no complaints in terms of Avengers movies of these movies not being directed by Joss Whedon. The Russos are completely, completely in control of their material. And if anything, the fact that this is the weakest of the Avengers movies is just because it was trying to tie up so many things. Here's Tony kind of committing suicide, I guess. I'm not totally sure. Yep. And this is why, by the way, Pepper Potts lets him. Oh, here's here's Team Cap. Yeah, kill Thanos. They're like, we want a piece of this. <laughs> Natasha, we usually work as a team here. <laughs> God's College Johansson, killing it. These two. This is Team Cap. Yeah. Nebula knows. Mm-hmm. He tormented and tortured this poor robotic woman. Mm-hmm. Brie Larson It is... I, I, I have to just stress, if you haven't heard my other podcast, how extremely skeptical I was about Brie Larson as Captain Marvel. And despite the fact that I don't think Captain Marvel is a particularly great movie, or even a great Marvel movie... I think Brie did excellently with what she had in that and does even better here. And my biggest complaint, and I'll leave it here, is I wanted more Carol, not in terms of just superpowers, but her giving the pump-up speech, because that's what would happen in the comics. It's usually Cap, but Carol would be the one here to do it. And there's... Oh, my God. Look at Thor. Thor is a combination of indifferent and murderous. Yep. Yep. Just like that. Mm-hmm. They, we use, the, right, we owe, if there's even a small chance we owe it to everyone in this room, was used in the trailer, the, the exact quote, c- compressed uh, from a Black Widow, Natasha Romanoff, Scarlett Johansson. Yeah. Yeah, and she's totally right. Captain Marvel is. There's a lot of other planets in this universe to help save. And Steve knows that Thor just wants to murder. Thor just wants to murder. Here it comes. We saw this shot in the the teaser trailer. And we thought it was the hammer, but it's the axe. Look at him. He's sizing her up. She holds his eye contact. I like this one. That's it. That sold Captain Marvel to everyone who wasn't already in. And so, guys, I wasn't the only one to think, yeah, there's the Avengers music, baby. Oh, yeah. So I wasn't the only one to predict that the first act, uh, however it was structured, would be ultimately about going after Thanos early and maybe even killing him early. This is a very Matrix shot. It's a very Matrix music. It sounds like Matrix Reloaded, which I just did with my dad. But that's okay. The Russos are open about their influences from the Dark Knight to Star Wars to Matrix re- uh, movies. Here we go. Steve's never been in space before. This is a huge step for Steve Rogers and Natasha and so forth. Boom. Boom. 
And this unfolded exactly how I wanted it to in a positive way. I thought Captain Marvel and Thor and maybe the other Avengers would go after Thanos early and kill him. And that is indeed what happens. It took me a while to get on board that Thanos would still be the villain. Up oh, there's Peggy Carter! Haley Atwell, who I've been preaching for years, was great on Agent Carter, great in the Avengers movies, Cap movies, and now she's in the Mission Impossible movies. So they realize how brilliant, beautiful, and talented she is. And this is Cap and Natasha talking to each other, which is important. No ground defenses. Yeah, Thor's just ready to murder him. Thor's ready to murder him. And Thor's lack of ability to analyze why he wants to murder him and the repercussions of it, it informs everything going forward. So here we go. You know, like I said, if you just watched the trailers in Avengers Infinity War numerous times, you would see that Thanos was in a utopia, but kind of confused and damaged. And that's exactly what's going on here and exactly what happens. So he's living this little idyllic lifestyle. Who cares? Just murder him. He's a horrible person. I was totally on board with this. Him coming back as the villain. Uh, There it is. Oh, yeah, baby. Here comes Captain Marvel. Doing her thing. Yep. They just need to humanize Carol more. She's more complicated in the comics. Sorry, it's super loud. Cut off his arm. Here comes Cap. Yep. Natasha following right behind. Uh Black Widow. Yeah, baby. By the way, Bradley Cooper never goes on the press tours as the voice of Rocket, even though he's a lot of people's favorite character. There's the gauntlet. Um, I think that's just Bradley Cooper. He must love this, but he just... So I said in my prediction commentary, guys, you can go back numerous times that Thanos would say, essentially, this was inevitable. I can't, I, I, I don't want to save your friends, but even if I wanted to, I couldn't because of the choices I made. And that's exactly what happens here. And this was actually a case where I liked that my thoughts, predictions, whatever, were on point. Here's Bruce in the suit. He doesn't come into sort of small Hulk for you. Right. And so, him being this sort of evilly wise genocidal killer here, and I am inevitable, a direct reference to the Smith virus in the Matrix movies. Yeah, he's telling the truth. I'm not just pumping up the Matrix movies, guys, because I love them. I'm pumping it up because it's obvious in this film, in the Winter Soldier and Civil War and so forth, the Matrix influences, boom, there it goes. The, the only major brutal violence we ever see outside the Winter Soldier in the MCU is right there with Thor cutting off his head. But then he comes back and it kind of lessens it. I went for the head, which is what a warrior would say, but n- not a deep thinker. And that's it. Because Thor's already accepted the, the fatalism and the nihilism. That's the point. Is he kills Thanos because he's like, no matter what this guy says, 
and despite his intentions, we're never getting our people back. And so let's just kill him and move on. And Thor's right in a way, but of course he couldn't foresee the Doctor Strange plan. Here we go. Okay, so I also called a time jump at some point in this movie, five years later. I don't know if I said five years in particular, but the shots of New York with the refugee camps around it and so forth that we saw, that we're sort of seeing here, that looks very Dark Knight-ish. Uh, we saw a little tiny bit in the trailers and the way it was framed right here, right here, with all of the boats and the docks and refugees around the... Right, and people camping in City Field and so forth. We saw some of this in the trailers, and so I predicted that there would be a time jump, and that's what happened. And we're about to get one of the many amazing cap quotes in all these movies and all these series. This is one of the Russos right here. I don't know if it's Joe or Anthony doing an amazing job of being PTSD soldier or whatever he's gone through. Same old crap. My job, it's all the same. I miss the mats, right. So, half the universe is dead, which is the dumbest, you know, <laughs> notion ever. That the Thanos would only want to kill exactly half the universe, and that would solve the problems. Uh, but now we're dealing with it on a human level. And so, it be, uh, immediately, and with Cap, of course, becomes more interesting. See him again tomorrow. Yeah, and this, by the way, when Steve first bonded with Sam Wilson as the Falcon, before he was the Falcon in the Winter Soldier, was Sam Wilson leading these types of groups. Um, and so it would make on so many levels sense for, that Cap would do something like this post the semi or hemi apocalypse. Yeah, he's talking about how traumatizing it was to be Captain America, which was. You don't want this situation to happen to anyone, but it's kind of an out, interesting outlet for him. World is in our hands. It's left to us, guys, says Cap. We got to do something with it. Otherwise, then it should have killed all of us, which is sort of how everyone's feeling. It will be best represented by Jeremy Renner being a total assassin. San Francisco! Starfleet Academy. <laughs> Okay, so there are a number of MVPs in this film, or at least six man off the bench awards. Renner as Hawkeye is one that I expected to happen, but was thrilled it did actually happen. Ant-Man, so as I've said on my podcast before, Paul Rudd plus quantum physics plus Marvel should equal a home run for the bizzle. I have not loved the Ant-Man movies, even though I like Peyton Reed, the director, and I love Paul Rudd. But he is so great in Civil War, and especially these final Avengers movies, this one in particular. Um, Paul Rudd's optimism, and also sort of heartbreak-breaking response, and every man response to things, is so clutch in a movie like this. Even though he's the one to go in the quantum zone that allows for time travel, that allows for everything positive that happens in this film to go on, he's still the everyman, because he's Paul fucking Rudd. I recently saw that he was in a super... Up oh, Here's Ken Chung or whatever his name is. That's in all the movies that Paul Rudd are in. 
uh, and like there's like a Super Nintendo ad from 1994, way before Clueless even, with Paul Rudd playing a controller in a commercial. It's very funny. Here he goes. So the mouse opened him up. Now he's looking at signs saying everyone's missing. So we needed the scene. He's wheeling around his few possessions. We needed to see the scene, whether you thought so or not, where Ant-Man was like, what's going on? And some kid is going like, what do you mean? Everything went to shit. What are you talking about? Does he even say anything? No, he just keeps going. God, the Russos just nail it. I mean, the only difference between the Russos and Joss Whedon in terms of uh, presentation for the Avengers movies, Joss Whedon doing one and two, the Russos doing four, three and four, is that the Russos, uh, if they have any flaw, is being overly minimalist at times. Forget the three-hour runtime. They're a little overly minimalist at times. And Joss Whedon sometimes throws too much shit at the wall and only 90% sticks. And for me, I love that 90% so I can deal with the other, 90, the other 10%. This was important. This was really important. Was the names on the wall, and that he, that his his girl, his daughter, even way more than um, uh, than the wasp of Angeline Lily, that his daughter was alive. He's already putting it together. It's important that Ant Man be super smart. Up, oh, Scott Lang. He's dead, but not his daughter. Yeah, baby. So I totally called quantum physics, time travel, alternate universes, multiple versions of the same character, but they did it in a way that was very, very unpredictable and unpredicted by me. And so I love them for that. And so Ant-Man's early involvement in his contribution as the, you know, quantum theorist person uh, was sort of both up my alley and in my expectations. Oh, there's his daughter looking older, looking like Linda Cardellini. Both beautiful. Um, uh, they they took it in a character direction as opposed to a scientific direction, and I'm so glad they did. But we will get to that. So you know, everyone's lost people, and some of them will get them. Some people will get them back, and some people won't. But it was important for Ant Man in particular that his main love, his daughter, was alive because he needed to be clear thinking in proposing the time travel situation uh, uh, plan to the Avengers. Needed to. All right. God, this movie's so long. How long are we? Okay, we're about half hour in. I have the bonus material, so it's like six and a half hours. Uh, here's... I love this. 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 I'm going to keep saying I love this. I love that the Black Widow would be the one to step up and take over, basically being the head of S.H.I.E.L.D., uh, galactic, international, galactic version of S.H.I.E.L.D. here with Wakanda and, you know, powers across space and time like Carol Danvers as Captain Marvel. Fur face. So, so, oh God. So Rocket hates her cat, the Flurkin, in the comics. They really miss an opportunity in the movies. I don't know why. But the fact that Black Widow is the one to still try and be doing good stuff after she seemed so morally ambiguous before the Winter Soldier, and now she's the good guy when Steve isn't even being the good guy. She's talking about if things going sideways, don't make trouble unless it comes through me. I mean, this is totally Cap stuff. 
It's not paternalistic. It's not like Cap. And by the way, the little nod there between Carol Danvers and Rhodey. They have a romance in the comics. It's not hidden. Here we go. Here we go. Everything with these two. Oh, wait. No, here's here's Rhodey. Uh, Rhodey's saying we have more evidence of your boy Hawkeye being a horrible murderer. Yep. It's Barton. The problem is Barton isn't even allowed to be as nasty as the Arrow, the Green Arrow, in the first couple seasons of the Arrow on the CW in terms of violence, but that's okay. We'll get on the TV show, I hope. Look at Scarlett Johansson. Just killing it. Just killing it. Killing it. Scarlett Johansson. My girl. Black Widow. She's eating her sandwich. (laughs) Nah. Look at her eyes. She's crying. She's crying about Jeremy Renner. They've barely been together except talking about Budapest and then his family. And she's losing it. Oh, my God. (laughs) Rogers just goes right after her. And she has to laugh. Can you see a friend? Uh Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Your friend is fine. I love... This is it. This is... Team, this is right. Whales in the Hudson, fewer ships, cleaner water. Right, Steve Rogers is sort of trying to find the bright side of the apocalypse. <laughs> These two are so cute. They they've been as I've posted online. They've been auditioning together since they were young. Both of them, they've known each other. They're good buddies. It totally comes across in these performances. She gives him a piece of the peanut butter sandwich. Here it comes. He's been thinking. Cap's been thinking. I keep telling everyone they should move on. This is brilliant. And grow. This is brilliant. I just Some do. Scarlet. Vacant. But not us with a smile. Right. If I move on, who does this? This is the... It's, yeah. Black Widow has grown so much. It's insane. It's insane. I used to have nothing. And I got this. Yep. She's the head of the Avengers. What's left? This job. And so, spoiler alert, when she dies, on repeat watchings, it gets more and more effective how tragic it is. When she finally finds her place in her family, then she has to sacrifice herself. Now we're getting the movie, baby. Oh, yeah. Even though they're gone... God, these two just killing it. Cap and Natasha, I could watch forever. I'm still trying to be better, she says. Mm. I think we both need to go to life. (laughs) All right, here we go. Here we go. Yeah, Ant-Man. So look, I wanted Captain Marvel to be the one to give him the pump-up speech, but without giving him speech, Ant-Man ends up being the one to give him hope in the pump-up speech. I know you know that. Yeah, he had a scrap with Anthony Mackie in uh, the Ant-Man movies. Here he comes. It's, this is why Ant-Man needed his daughter to be alive, to have some base of solidness. Yeah. Paul Rudd just kills it dramatically. Here's the quantum physics. I specifically said this. I'm thrilled they did it. Right. Five years ago. Right before Thanos. (laughs) Quantum realm. Mm Mm-hmm. 
microscopic universe. Right, you have to be small. Hope. She's my. Yeah. We don't know about hope. Mm-hmm. Yep. That's how Ant-Man 2 ended. It is a good cliffhanger. Right. Yep. Which I call this exact thing. That he was in the quantum realm for no time. That's That was the proof of time travel. Yep. So they actually try and science time travel in this movie, which is what I both predicted and wanted, and then they throw it away. But I'm totally fine by the time they throw it away. We'll get there. Can't stop thinking about it, right? He's already thinking about reversing things. I didn't want things to be solved via time travel, even though I thought there would be time travel, but that's what they went for. Time machine. Music out. Yeah, like a time machine. (laughs) Paul Rudd, American Treasure. Yeah. Yeah. I get emails from a raccoon, says Natasha. Nothing sounds crazy. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, here we go. Here we go. We get, we have to get Iron Man with his lovely life post the snap to make the sacrifice even greater. I know. I, I'm never going to complain about Gwyneth, who's so great with him, even if she's not always my favorite actress. She's great with Robert Downey Jr., and his relationship with the daughter is excellent. Um, but, you know, as I used to talk about a lot, and I'm trying to bring back in, it's not just that you're fighting the bad guys or the good cause, but it's what are you fighting for. Tony's obviously fighting for Pepper Potts, but he's definitely fighting for his adorable daughter here, just like Jeremy Renner. It, it just seems out of proportion compared to sacrifices other people make as well. But... You know, this is what Batman was supposed to be in all the DC movies and just totally failed with Batman v Superman and Ben Affleck in general. And Robert Downey Jr. just keeps nailing at basically every level and keeps stepping it up, 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 up. Here it comes. Tony hates on Cap. He gets mad. He gets pouty. And then he turns to Cap's side in the end. It's important that Natasha shows up. Who betrayed him in Civil War, but he knows he should have seen it coming. Because he knows he's on the wrong side and that she loves Cap. Mm. The Planck scale. The Deutsch preposition. Right. Yep. Mm-hmm. Tony's not wrong that you accidentally survived. I mean, it's, it's important to point that out. It could have been a total fluke. Time heist. And this became the term, is the time heist. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right.
Right. They make fun of Back to the Future, but then this essentially becomes Back to the Future. And so I almost wish they'd just given up on the time travel science. We have to take a stand, says... Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he thinks he lost hope. I guess technically he did for now. Yeah. This was a major... This was the major problem. Major problem of this movie and Infinity War <clears throat> is the idea of the snap. That you could snap, kill half the universe, and then snap again and bring them all back. Really lowers the stakes of everything. That's the major problem. But as usual... While DC movies have big ideas but don't hit on the actual character drama, this movie has half-baked big ideas but nails every part of the character drama. If you don't talk shop, you can stay for lunch, says Tony. Oh, man. Cap's still thinking about how to do this. Big brain. There's only one. Yeah, we got one. Oh, yes. I know some people didn't love this, but true Hulk fans and just true Avengers fans, you must love the 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 brilliant writing and CGI for calm, open Hulk here. I don't know what to call him. Smart Hulk? Five years ago, we had our asses beat. Right. Right, right. So they get Ant-Man to get the Hulk, to get Thor, and so forth. That's part of it. It's actually a sparkling water, guys, not a beer, unfortunately. Now look at me. Right, this is the guy who said, I put a bullet in my mouth and spit it, the other guy spit it out in the first movie. Now he's a celebrity. He loves the kids. Stay in school, stay in school kids, kind of thing. Say green. Green. And now Ant-Man is going to say, do you want a photo? You know, it, it, it's not even a total ego thing is the thing with him. It's because of how horrible the world is. He just wants... He wants a picture. I don't want a picture. Stranger danger. He wasn't even saying no. These two are great. CGI Mark Ruffalo and Paul Rudd just killing it. You feel bad. They're still talking about the photo. <clears throat> Thank you, Mr. Hulk. Oh, man. Hulk out. There are so many great Hulk re- referentials in this film. I-, I can't even begin to say. Here it comes. Here it comes. Right. Time travel do over. <laughs> it's outside of my area of expertise. So. Mm. These two have a past. I love that. Her hitting on him and Ultron and him not realizing it is so great. I feel bad for people who can't appreciate it, even if they thought it was a weird choice, but... Tony's still thinking about it. This is what Cap does. Cap hooks onto his brain and his morals and, you know, and shoots lasers into them. And Tony can't stop thinking about it. Oh, there it is. 
he can't forget that Spidey's gone. Peter Parker's gone. Mm-hmm. Here he goes. This is the positivistic version of Ultron. In Age of Ultron, he are you know he convinces Mark Ruffalo to go behind their backs to create an AI in three days based on the mind gem in Loki Scepter, and it goes totally wrong and turns into Ultron, which they later solve in terms of the Vision. That's a different story. This is the reverse version of it, where he doesn't want to deal with this issue, but his scientific mind and his love for his friends overtakes everything, and he actually builds a successful time travel model because he's just that fucking smart that's what's great about him not his rich hilarious adorable cockiness oh yeah he just cursed in front of his daughter (laughs) oh the love you 5000 thing or whatever is is so heartbreaking you know I got something on my mind was it juice pops sure was That's extortion. Exactly. That's exactly what Tony Stark would do as a kid. Is try and extort his parents into juice pops. Oh, man. She's so cute. I hope this girl has a career. She nails it as a child actress. But the thing is, is like with Gwyneth Paltrow, who can be kind of uptight in some roles, he just relaxes everybody around him, including all the characters who play the Avengers, including this young girl. This is Robert Downey Jr. I know he had his problems, but I think he is proof positive that going through life problems and coming out the other side on top and helping other people and being generous to other people and everything that you do, this is proof positive that that is something we should be rooting for and cultivating in the real world. God bless Robert Downey Jr., Oh, here it is. She loves me 3,000. Oh, man. Oh, man. Oh, no. You're in the six to 900 range. Of course, this is like, I'll give you 15%. I was having 15% of a moment. God bless Gwyneth. The fact that Gwyneth Paltrow only acts in the Avengers with Robert Downey Jr. only enhances her mystique and brilliance. Let's be honest. Oh, God. Time travel. Yeah, you needed him and her and these actors to to talk about this. Because she's got to give him permission. Because she knows it's going to lead to his death, probably. Or maybe. Right. This is like the classic family couch scene between mom and dad, but... Oh... You got really lucky. A lot of people didn't. Yeah. Oh, she's already pumping him up. You can be the one. Mm-hmm. Trying to get you to stop Tony has been one of the few failures of my entire life. And she's proud. Just like when Linda Carnalini says, I'm proud of your avenging to Hawkeye and Ultron. Nope. Not going to drop at the bottom of the lake. Yep. Here it comes. So, they pretty much get into the main story before 45 minutes, which is very impressive. Okay, these are great. So, this is where they stop worrying about science and just do hilarious and touching character moments. (laughs) 
with the time travel. It's a bad joke. Normal awkwardness between Bruce and Natasha. Yeah. And this, too, is also a callback to Ultron. But Hulk is now fully comfortable with himself, and this is a cause he can definitely get behind, unlike Ultron, which Tony had to kind of seduce him into. Perfectly not confusing. Oh, look, you just shoot straight up on Chris Evans with the hair. I Just amazing. I do Captain America... Never stops being old. Here we go. On the count of three. Three, two, one. Look at Steve. He's trying to process all this. Uh oh. We have baby Scott. (laughs) Yes, it's Scott. Oh, man. This middle act. Like all great Marvel movies, I will continue to say, almost all the Avengers movies, the Guardians movies, the middle part is always the best, even if it's a little sloppy and weird. It's a baby. It's Scott as a baby. Oh, man. Uh, I love this. They're sciencing the shit out of it, and they give up on the science, but only because of character stuff. Somebody pee my pants. Oh, thank God. I don't know if it was baby me or... Or old me. Or just me, me. I mean, look, look. The Russos understand how brilliant Paul Rudd is as a comedic actor. And they just let it play. It is a total win. I love how optimistic Hulk is in his new form and his new identity. It's great. It's absolutely great. If anything, it looks too real. Here, Steve. Is Natasha going to be the one? Whoop. Nope. Nope. Tony Stark, hat in hand. He's going to come in like a cocky asshole with his fancy car, but again, it's Cap winning him over. Look at this. And the Audi. Great stunt driver. Well done, sir or ma'am. <laughs> no, he backs up. Oh, this is great. Why the long face? He turned into a baby. Yeah, Tony knows. If you're a paradox. Am I the only one who did the homework? He's never quite straight in the head, right in the head, as Stephen from Braveheart would say. Thank God I'm here. As always, he comes back to Cap because he knows Cap's right. Mm, Time, space, GPS. Look at the smile. I just want peace. Look at the smile. That's that's the you know opposite of peace in our time thing, Republican thing from Age of Ultron with Stark. And this is the first time ever that there's a conjunction of Tony Stark of being idealistic and practical, and reasonably and understandably selfish about not wanting to lose his family even while sacrificing, putting himself on a wire. This is, that was his first big conflict with cap is saying, I don't believe in no one solutions and not, you know, and, and Steve saying sometimes in where you, you got to be the one that put yourself on the wire. Oh, Oh, the shield. Oh, I forgot about this. I've only seen this two times, guys. 
Yeah. I, he made it for you. I have to get out of the garage before Morgan takes it sledding. Oh, man. Just... I've said the the biggest challenge of the next few phases of Marvel isn't the Avengers in particular, even though everyone loves the original six, as we will see throughout this movie, but specifically the bromance frenemy relationship between these two, Steve and Tony. I don't know how you replace that. I honestly don't. Um, they must be trying to figure out that chemistry right now. Maybe it's Haley Steinfeld and Elizabeth Olsen. That would be what I would... <laughs> Paul Rudd with the spaceship. Oh, this is great. Hugh, mate. <laughs> oh, he hasn't met them yet. I totally forgot about this. That's awesome. <laughs> this isn't eating the landing zone. I mean... <laughs> regular size, but... Poor Ant-Man. He's a smart one. Oh, here's Hulk, and Hulk gives him the... Oh, he gives him the taco... Okay, here we go, guys. Here it comes. Here it comes. I suppose there are people out there that didn't love this, but Fat Thor and everything around Fat Thor, I absolutely adore. I didn't mean to make a rhyme. But the fact that Thor would just be a drunken, hopeless, fatalistic, piece of shit, waste of space ass, asshole after everything actually makes total sense. And, you know, it, it is one of many reasons why they have to keep making Thor movies because he's finally over the hump of going through true trauma. Right, they're referring to actual Asgard. This is new Asgard, the refugees... Oh, Tessa Thompson. Oh, guys. One of my many predictions in 2015 when I started this podcast was that this girl who nobody heard of was going places after Creed. And man, she's amazing as Valkyrie, among other roles. But she becomes the queen slash king of Asgard and she's looking for a queen, baby. Yeah. Yep. Yep. So what's interesting about Valkyrie slash Tessa Thompson, this is about to be hilarious, is that she is one of the few superheroes that's left that doesn't help out in the main mission and is there at the end, as opposed to the rest of the Avengers who come back to life. Uh Uh-oh, it smells bad. Okay, this is great. So the best parts of Ragnarok was when Taika Waititi went totally Taika, and this this is the result of it right here. Fat Thor. Oh my god. And we have his alien buddies playing Fortnite. <laughs> Cuddly little rascal. Meek and Korg. That's Tico Aititi's voice. Beers in the bucket. If you want to log on to Wi Fi, no password, obviously. <laughs> Oh, here it is. Yeah. Some kid on Fortnite is insulting Korg. (laughs) Nuba Master, hey, it's Thor again. You know the God of Thunder? Listen, if you don't log off immediately, I'm going to fly over to your house, come down to your basement, rip off your arms and shove them up your butt. Oh, my God. Oh, man. Thank you, Thor. (laughs) 
Polite, polite as always is Korg. This is such a tender scene between a insanely good-looking guy in a fat suit of some sort that's very convincing with Chris Hemsworth, a CGI version of Mark Ruffalo that is almost creepily realistic-looking, and he's trying to level with them, and and he now hits a nerve... And what's interesting about this scene, and it, to me is very Whedon-esque, and again, this is huge praise to the, the Russos, and also uh, Mar- Marcus and McFeely, the writing duo who's done all the Captain America movies and, and the recent Avengers movies, is he's going to sort of go at Hulk here, and Hulk is going to say, he's going to say, please take your hand off me. Not in a threatening way, but then in about two seconds, he's going to put his hand on Thor, in the, but in a loving way, after he just told Thor to take his hand off him. I know it's little things like that. Here it is. He puts his, arm, he puts his hand on Thor, but it's in a loving way. Right, who cho- who chopped off Thanos' head like that was a giant accomplishment by Thor. It did nothing but lose them information. And that's why him reconciling with the amazing and gorgeous Rene Russo as his mom coming up in this movie is almost, if not equally as affecting as the Tony Stark and Steve Rogers scene with uh, uh, Howard Stark and Peggy Carter. Uh, we will get there. I don't know how they made Chris Hemsworth look this fat. It, it, it it's got to be a mix of CGI and practical, but it, it looks so real. And of course, Chris Hemsworth being so good looking and charismatic can easily pull this off. And we're good here, mate. <laughs> If anything, Ryan Reynolds is probably jealous that Chris Hemsworth got to do this. I think this is something that good-looking and hilarious ac- young actors would love to do. His emotional performance, starting in Infinity War after you know Loki and uh, and Heimdall are killed and so forth. There's beer on the ship's as rocket. How does this transition? What kind? Okay, so here comes uh, Tokyo. So this is it. This is the Hawkeye reclamation. This is the connection with Scarlett Johansson and Ghost in the Shell and Lucy. The problem is this just isn't nearly visceral or bloody enough to sell what it's trying to sell. But you, you get that Hawkeye is just, you know, murder, murdering folk. We sort of saw this in the trailers. You could sort of see this coming. In fact, we saw a direct transition in the trailers, which informed my predictions between Hawkeye looking happy with his daughter and then Hawkeye looking old and gaunt and angry in a samurai situation like this. They were specifically seeding it. 
but the sort of third act of Hawkeye and his competition with Natasha to sacrifice themselves for the soul gem um, is, you know, was the important thing they kept from us. I was convinced Hawkeye and Natasha would be great in this film. I was hoping they would be great together. Um, and as I've mentioned, I will say again, while I was not initially thrilled with the killing of Scarlett Johansson's Black Widow, it ends up being very fitting and tragic when you rewatch the film and think about it. Right. This guy's slashed all over the place. Zero blood. Come on, Marvel. Star Wars does this all the time. This is sold totally through performance that he's murdering bad guys because he's become nihilistic because he lost his family. I mean, it doesn't make sense with this character. They don't really explain it. You just sort of accept that's what he's doing. And this is the Budapest flipped. Everyone remembers Budapest. These two, he flips her to S.H.I.E.L.D., which hopefully we'll see in her movie. He can sense her. Right, neither should you. Oh, look at him. I think Renner is so, so great. And I would point you to watch, in addition to the first two Avengers movies, especially Age of Ultron, Wind River, also with Elizabeth Olsen as sort of a daughter figure, and, of course, The Hurt Locker with Anthony Mackie, for which he was nominated for an Oscar, and I think probably should have won. Not as a support, but as a lead. Don't give me hope. Yeah. Right. But if Natasha's giving it to him, you know, with how cynical she can be, he has to take it seriously with their relationship. And here's the hold hands. I love this. You know, I love platonic but sweet relationships between male and female characters in movies. Here's the dude. We're going to get a dude joke, uh, a big Lebowski joke. Right here. You're drifting left. One side there, Lebowski, says Tony Stark. Oh, man. Oh, man. So this was, you know, more uplifting in the middle of the movie than I was expecting. And again, being Marvel and being MCU and being Avengers, I should have expected that there'd be a little bit more uplifting after all the depressive, depressing... uh, uh, Oh, here he goes. He's about to waste a pin particle. Yes, God. Cheeto is understated but hilarious as always. Two test runs. Here it comes. <laughs> you know it's coming. One test run. Paul Rudd just. The thing is, you can praise his comedy in this film. Oh, look at Renner with the hair and the and the tats. You know, you can pra- you can easily praise Paul Rudd for being hilarious in the movies, but he really dramatically throws down with the best of them in this one. <laughs> Cheetle. First of all, that's horrible. It's Thanos. Yeah. Right, this is the whole kill Hitler as a baby. This is it, guys. This is the thing I did not predict that was so obvious, which was that 
I sort of predicted it in the sense of I knew it seemed irrationally hot tub time machine. Bill and Ted's excellent adventure. I knew it was sort of convenient that for the most part this, the gems were on Earth um, or near Earth. You know, over the course of the films, that was part of why Thanos was obsessed with coming to Earth was to get all the gems, and so they work that into revisiting all the movies that we love. Back to the Future is a bunch of bullshit, but it, this is actually what happens in Back to the Future. This is great. Clint's like, okay, I'll agree to do this, but I'm going to sacrifice myself as much as possible. This is awesome. Seeing Hawkeye as the, as the experimental quantum physics time-jumping Ant-Man. Oh, dude, this looks great. This looks amazing. And this is why you need to start the movie with his family. It was already heartbreaking, even if you didn't know what was going on. And now he's going to see them and then get pulled away again, which informs his desire to sacrifice, but also Natasha, who loves him and his family, desire to sacrifice even more than him with the soul gem, which we will get to. I will say, knowing for sure that there's a Black Widow movie now has helped cushion the blow of what's coming up a, a tiny bit. Renner just killing it. I mean, if you don't like Jeremy Renner in the Wind River, I, I just I, I don't know what's wrong with you. It's like not liking Chris Pine in you know Hell or High Water. I mean, these guys understated but emotional performances. I mean, in some ways, Hell or High Water is a super revenge fantasy, even though it deals with very realistic issues about Native American women who are raped and disappear and so forth. But because they establish him as being so close with his wife, who's a native, and also his best friend, and his family, their family is native. Lila, Lila, boom, gone. It will be interesting to see... Okay, so we're definitely not going to get her as Kate Bishop, because it looks like it's going to be Haley Steinfeld or someone like her. It'll be interesting to see if we get linda cardellini as hawkeye's wife because she has already killed it on tv as a young in in freaks and geeks and she was a major cast member on er late oh here's natasha they're best buds i love how platonically they love each other when it could have gone another way yeah look at them it worked this is the intro to the avengers theme playing yep yep this is the this is the positivistic version of Ultron. They they you know Tony creates Ultron with Bruce, hes, who's hesitant but does it because they want to protect against the alien invasion. Now they've been alien invaded and murdered in a horrible way, and now they have to use their brains to actually solve the problem after it's happened. Which is why Tony's not totally wrong, as usual, in the beginning when he's complaining about Cap, complaining about Ultron. Because Tony was saying, I had a, th- a vision about this. <laughs> here's, here's Lebowski, a.k.a. Thor. Oh, man. Oh, man. I'm pretty sure he's dead. Cheadle just fits in so great in this universe. I know he's much older than Brie Larson, but Rhodey and Carol are adorable in the comics, and he is older than her in the comics, too, I believe, or at least much more mature. More mature. Uh, this is Thor drunk and tired and stoned, doing the total dude thing, trying to talk about the ether, and then he goes off about Jane Foster, and I remember this, the Dark Elves. Dark Elves. 
Ooh, scary. He says, and I remember him being obsessed with Jane, and I've always said, oh, there's Natalie Portman. I've always said Natalie Portman. and I always said Jane Foster, of all the relationships, Jane Foster and Thor had to end up together. It was so destined. And so now to get Natalie Portman as the female Thor slash the mighty Thor in the final Thor movie that we know of, Thor Love and Thunder, in the setup here with his still being obsessed with her. They have such good chemistry, Duke Hemsworth and Natalie Portman. I mean, it's like Jin and Cassie, and the electrical sexual vibes are just blazing off the screen. He's still talking about Jane Foster, and then Hulk is saying, stop. The only thing is permanent in life is impermanence. Awesome. Eggs? Breakfast? And like a Bloody Mary. Hemsworth is so versatile. Here's the problem, guys. I hate to be the one to bring this up. If you look at all of his movies, other than Rush, for which Daniel Brühl was nominated for an award and Hemsworth could have been, Ron Howard, about the the true racing story movie, um, and the Avengers movies, which have made a ton of money and everyone loves Thor. If you look at all of his other films, from the Men in Black film to the, uh, you know, White Whale, uh, um, you know, movie, uh, which is also Ron Howard to other things he's done. They've not done well in the box. Like the Huntsman sequel have not done great in the box office. And so he's been taking bad material, which is yet another reason for him to stay. Oh, this is great. You have Hulk, Natasha and Tony lying next to each other. With notepads, throwing ideas around. Natasha's in the middle. She's she's the one to come up with three stones in New York. This is great. Shut the front door. Right. Hulk and Tony are clearly the smart, the smart, you know, the brilliant ones of that threesome. But Natasha's so practical and so perceptive and so smart in her way. And Natasha's the one to realize there's three stones in New York. Oh, here it is, baby. The quantum suits. We thought this was maybe a mislead in the trailer, but nope, we see Ant-Man and Black Widow in the quantum suits, strutting, 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 strutting. Mm-hmm. Here comes the cap speech. We lost family. We lost a part of ourselves. Yep, we get it early in the movie. We have a chance to take it all back. You know your teams. You know your missions. Sorry, guys. This is great. Right, get the stones. Get them back. One round trip each. No mistakes. There's going to be mistakes. No do-overs. Yep. Mm-hmm. Tony never makes fun of Cap during these moments. He knows Cap needs to be the one to give the speech. Yeah, there's Tony again. Whatever it takes. Oh, from the trailer. Whatever it takes. You know, it's just... He's pretty good at that. You always have to make fun of it, too, like Anthony Mackie and Winter Soldier and so forth. You have to make fun of the Cap speech for being too damn good because his speeches are amazing. <laughs> you never you never think Rocket is not there. You never don't think Rocket is there, however you want to say it. Oh, man. See ya. Nope. Never going to see her again. Here we go. Quantum suits, baby. Straight from the comics. 
That's why I'm not a total Nostradamus, as we saw the quantum suits in the trailer. Here they go, flying through space. So, landing at the correct time in time and space. Here we go. Oh, yeah. Avengers, baby. <clears throat> Battle of New York. Pulling film, pulling footage straight from the Battle of New York. Here's the hero circle that locked in the Marvel Cinematic Universe as the thing to beat and is still number one. These six right here. So as I talked about with Manny G with this movie, we get to see all of our favorite movies or even weirder ones like Thor The Dark World from new angles and new scenes. They even have the right costumes for it. Here's Hulk just murdering, throwing stuff. And here comes Ruffalo as as new Hulk, as smart Hulk. Uh, He's embarrassed. Maybe smash a few things along the way. I think it's gratuitous, but whatever. I mean, you know, Takeaway TT specifically poked fun at some weed and things like the lullaby uh, <laughs> in Ragnarok, but it was totally out of love, and we didn't love it. And they do more hair, yeah. Oh, man. Here's the Chitari getting nailed. Already looking better. Oh, there's Doctor Strange's place. Oh, we get Tilda Swinton as the Ancient One just killing it. We barely get any Strange in this movie, which is another minor complaint of mine. So, the fact that the Ancient One would know about time travel, would know that this guy's from the future, would know what he's looking for, would know about Stephen Strange, all shows how brilliant she is, but then he has to explain to her the principles of time travel with the time stones. Maybe it's just a matter of trust, but the Ancient One and everything we've seen up to this point and what they introduce here is so brilliant and so cognizant of past, present, future, and different realities and stuff. It would seem that she would be the one to teach Hulk about the the stones. Boom. Direct mirror of when she punches Doctor Strange out of his body and Doctor Strange, I think. Oh, there's... We get to see Mark Ruffalo, his beautiful face. Uh, here it is, Asgard, uh, yeah, 2013. <laughs> People went nuts when, when they saw Loki. I mean, it's just a straight shot from the dark world. So, Natalie Portman was actually in this for shoots, and we know it now for sure, not only because she's in the credits for this movie, but because she comes, she's back in the Marvel Cinematic Universe as a major character with Thor and Valkyrie, Jane Foster, for the Thor 4. I'll be right back, okay. He's such a coward. I mean, that's the thing. They don't just make Thor pathetic, they make him cowardly. It's a big step. I mean, forget the great acting performance of which he's nailing it. Oh, Renee Russo, as I've said, the most gorgeous, like, 63-year-old on the planet. She's stunning. She looks so vibrant, so amazing. I mean, you know, the movie this is based on, Thor the Dark World, was filmed six or seven years before this movie. This is the day she dies. And the fact that she recognizes him with his fatness is not Thor from the present. And even gets the 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 implication that she's going to die and doesn't want to hear about it and just wants him to be okay is just heartbreaking. And so while coming up in the 1971 sort of second time travel thing, he just slapped Thor, did Rocket. Uh, it, so when we see Tony Stark with Howard Stark and we see, you know... Um, 
cap sort of creeping up on Peggy Carter in 1971. This to me is easily just as affecting because the combination of Jane Foster and his mom, uh, it's just too much for his destroyed and at the moment cowardly heart to bear. Right. This is the opposite of guardians one or or no, this is actually a mirror of guardians one where rocket has a whole plan about how it's going to unfold in the prison and then Groot ruins it in two seconds and they have to arm arm. Yeah. You know, and they have to regroup here. Rocket again has a great plan. It's all based on Thor just sacking up and being a man, you know, or just being not a coward. And of course he's a total coward and runs away. Here he goes. Do they show it to us? Nope, he runs away. All right, Heartbreaker, she's alone. Oh, man, Rocket again. Luckily, Rocket's small enough that he pricks. He gets a little... Oh, Morag. Oh, this is great. So, Guardians of the Galaxy, guys, was one of the first commentaries I did. And despite my problems with Guardians 2 and sort of Marvel, Cosmic Marvel, as I've talked about... um, I, I remain a giant fan of Guardians 1 and Chris Pratt and Zoe Saldana and so forth. Um, and the fact that we get to see a slightly different version of... up oh, here's another sign that she's going to die. Um, which, of course, they are, they're always seizing Hawkeye is the one that's going to die. And so, of course, she dies. Watch each other six. Yep, they're telling you graphic pretty hard. I forgot how... Or I should say, I haven't seen it enough times until now, my third viewing, I think, to see how hard they're teasing it. And this is funny because we've got sort of future Nebula seeing Peter Quill and being like, he's even more of an idiot than I remember. This is an this is a, such a sweet thing where they're like, there's how the hell do they fly a hyperspace spaceship? But seeing them smile and having the experience is just priceless. Harrison. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Nebula is actually hasn't told them enough how wrong this plan could go because of Thanos from the past. They should be able to piece it together without Nebula, but uh, here she is. So here is Nebula from the past. Right? And Zoe? Here she is. Zoe Saldana, my girl. Gamora. They had to bring her back. Why does she get to come back via time travel and not Tony and Natasha? Don't ask me. So my Guardians commentary talk about how James Gunn is a little bit more hit and miss than Whedon and the Russos. And the early parts of Guardians have some very over-the-top kind of flat lines for Gamora. But you realize it's building up her character as being ending up being the heart of the team uh, in Guardians. Uh, and once they get to the prison and everything that happens after that, it, it just... She just becomes the sweet cuteness of Zoe Saldana just comes through the cold-blooded Gamora. Here it is. So, right. So, the question is, even without Nebula, shouldn't the Avengers have been able to put together that going to the past could release Thanos from the past? Because he once he realizes what's going on, this Thanos, 
uh, he puts together pretty quickly the situation and how he can dominate. We see a version of this in Guardians of the Galaxy. I don't think it's this exact scene where Nebula tries to be the most loyal daughter and he basically says, no, Gamora's my favorite daughter. Now he's torturing his daughter. Oh, is she having a vision? Oh, she's having a vision. Oh, no. This is cool. And this is the ghost in the shell stuff that makes it work for me. Is that It's an involuntary re- response of her cybernetic self that she senses her future self in the present now and starts projecting it. I mean, it's, you know, help me, Obi-Wan Kenobi, you're my only hope. It's Dark Tower, baby. All right, so now we're in New York 2012. I mean, the staging in combination of new shoots and old shoots between original Avengers and this. Right, is this the shot that they just didn't use from behind the set? After they beat the shit out of Loki at the end? <laughs> That's who did nothing for your ass. We'll, of course, get a great payoff from Cap about that. That's America's ass. <laughs> okay, guys. So this is where it began to sink in with Romulo in the revisitation of the Winter Soldier, but two years earlier. Now we are definitely seeing new scenes with them in the 2012 costumes. With the original six, we got Jasper Sitwell. He clearly looks older, the actor. Right. So this is the... Did you not see any of the Phase 1 or Phase 2 movies? Here's a quick... You're small, but you're talking loud. Hydrant chilled stuff never makes sense. Oh, here's, and this is right. We, so we see why Loki gets the thing over his face. I mean, the thing is, is this movie was not only respectful, but reverential towards Whedon's Avengers movies, both of them in equal measure in a way that I, as a giant Joss Whedon fan, in addition to the Avengers fan, found uh, almost made me cry on top of the character drama. Because of the journey. <laughs> Hulk. Okay, so this is 2012 Hulk. Hey, dig the stairs. So if you, if you guys have played the Read the Witcher books or games, that's like the ogre's talk. So, y- y- you know, the Russos are, are such... Br- br- uh, um, it's breathless how easy their filmmaking style is in the sense of you are getting exactly the information they want to give you. And we are getting information that this is Steve from five years from now in 2012 in a similar exact situation that happens in the winter soldier that didn't happen in 2012 that happened in 2014 in his timeline, but is happening here because he's a new thing. And, 
there was a lot of controversy over Cap, you know, t- temporarily, apparently, turning to Hydra in the new Captain America comics. And so in addition to being the, the smartest and least aggressive way, least violent way out of the situation, by saying Hail Hydra is absolutely brilliant. Here it comes. Also to Jasper Sitwell, just like Gary Shandling in The Winter Soldier. Oh, man. And they see they think he's Hydra. But it's also a nod to the what's been going on in the comics and or the, just the controversy of the comics. They let him go with it. He's smiling. So many stares. Uh, that's, a, that's why people like Hulk, is that even though he can barely talk and he's destroying things, he's, so, he's sort of the most human in a lot of ways. Which is why Mark Ruffalo was the perfect recasting. Sorry, Edward Norton. So you knew things were not going to go right everywhere, but they couldn't lose completely. So what they decided to do was have one complete failure right here in this scene with Ant-Man and Tony um, and the the Tesseract, um, which Loki steals, which I'm assuming is, oh, like, man, they got... Robert Redford back for Alexander Pierce. He looks great. Mr. Secretary. Secretary. So, I, I, I mean, I've heard that this does... What happens here with Loki escaping and stealing the Tesseract in this new version of 2012 is not what's informing his series, but that would be dumb, in my opinion, because it's a great twist in this film that's never fully explained, and seeing Loki and sort of jumping through time as well as space would be awesome, just my opinion. Right, it says 2012 Tony in the subtitles. That's really interesting. Ant-Man. Right, so they give him a heart attack, and this seems like a great idea to distract. There's 2012 Thor. There's Robert Redford. <laughs> There's Medic. There's 2024 Tony. Here's Ant-Man. It's so confusing, but it's so, it's so well conveyed without condescending. Oh, this is great. Without condescending to the audience, the Russo's explaining stuff. Oh, man. So he gets... So our Tony gets smacked by old Hulk and... Despite the thing on his mouth, Loki's still thinking about how to escape, and boop, and he's gone. That's all he needs to Tesseract. Oh, man. It's so brilliant. They they completely set up that not only was there f- total fuck-up in terms of one of the Infinity Stones, their only major fuck-up, I mean, Natasha dying is extremely sad, obviously, and we'll get, we're about to get to that, but this was the straight-up major fuck-up. They didn't get the Tesseract, and it was why him and Cap have to jump again. Um, oh, here we go. Cap fighting Cap. I mean, the fan service in this movie is so great, but because the fan service is generally servicing fans of the MCU of the last 10 to 11 years, and not necessarily the comic book fans who also love the MCU... I mean, this also describes me. I did not care about Captain America one bit growing up, but seeing Cap vs. Cap now in 2019 is just spectacular. And you know which Cap is new Cap and which Cap is old Cap? Yeah, I know. He hates himself, you know, like Tony hates himself. Steve has to face it. But just conveyed so brilliantly by the Russos. And uh, again, McFeely and Marcus, the writers... I believe Alan Silvestri did come back, uh, composer of the 
Or was it Danny Elfman that did uh, did the soundtrack? Here we go. Old Cap has to beat Young Cap. And the stakes are higher, and he's more experienced. Yep. Here he goes. Oh, man. They're lucky they've got the helmet for Cap. Bucky. Bucky is alive. He knows that's the one thing that would distract him. Yep. Yep. And this actually works. Even if you do a time loop where young Cap here just got knocked out. Here comes America's ass. I mean, how can you not love this? That is America's ass. (laughs) It's an easy line, but it's so earned. This was great, you know, because we've had Mark Ruffalo turn into the Hulk and back. Now we have a perfect emerging with the CGI. But getting to see Ruffalo as Ruffalo as Bruce Banner as they talk about these issues philosophically, right? So this is exact, guys. I, I'm, this isn't bragging. This is just the reality, which is what she's describing about splitting universes, diverging timelines, and you know, tangential universes stuff we see in Donnie Darko and so forth, is exactly what I thought would probably happen. The problem is they don't address it well at all, other than Captain America is going to go back in time and give everyone back their their stones. Right, but the the problem is the timelines have already been disturbed by taking them out of the timelines. And the fact that you have people like Tilda Swinton who knows this is happening, the Heisenberg uncertainty principle is completely ruined. Right, so Tilda Swinton says you're leaving out the most important part. Mm-hmm. Right, she says the issue is survival. I just think she would have known that particular theory. I just would have played it differently. Um, Where either she was telling it to Bruce, they were discussing it together, or she would point out what I'm saying is the obvious, and this is one of those cases where you point out the flaw, it makes it less bad, where she says, you know, this is a great plan, but even if you succeed, and even if you come back and put the time gems where they're supposed to, it's going to change the universe no matter what. You're already changing it. It, That's the obvious thing that's happening. That's just not being commented on it. Commented on. And it's cool that she becomes such a good guy, especially because I wanted Strange to be a big part of this movie, but we get it through the ancient one with Tilda Swin. By the way, guys, for the record, for me, it's not offensive that the ancient one was Tilda Swin and Doctor Strange in, in here. For me, it's that if they if they had really been, had for, uh, forethought and foresight, they would have made uh, Benedict Wong as Wong into Doctor Strange or someone like that, as opposed to Benedict Cumberbatch, who's very good. I'm not sure perfectly cast. Right. So the notion is when she gets the stone back, is she conscious? Here it is. So look, guys, (laughs) I love charismatic, over the top, 
but brilliantly performed one-dimensional bad guys, whether it's the Joker, who is actually more than one-dimensional, but in some levels is one-dimensional, or Ronan in Guardian. Ronan, is, Lee Pace, is the perfect bad guy to, to rally together that pirate crew. Thanos is in that weird spot between uh, being not fully one-dimensional, clearly having motives that can only be described as human, especially his bizarre love, even while torturing, but for his daughters, as he tortures them, as we see here, um, him being a bad parent. But he's not dimensional enough to truly make it interesting. And... If you look at Smith in the original Matrix, but also the Matrix sequels, he's a one-dimensional bad guy in terms of what his ultimate aims are, which is just sheer nihilism and destruction. But the philosophy that they talk about around Smith, uh, his creation and the way to destroy him, mixed with Hugo Weaving's performance, is spectacular. And I think in a much smaller role as Cable in Deadpool, Josh Brolin is sort of an anti-hero. I mean, spoiler alert, Cable's a really, really, really good guy in the comics. Actually, way better than most of the X-Men, because he's from the future and knows exactly how bad the situation is. Cable's actually a true good guy. Um, I guess what I'm saying is Josh Brolin is acting his fucking face off uh, both vocal and performance capture. Here we go. Here we go. Um, but Thanos always seemed like it would never live up to what you know they were hoping, I guess. And indeed, having Thanos come back as the bad guy at the end of this movie was a bit of a disappointment on first viewing, but we're not there yet. Here we go. As one of the great, there's a few great things in Thor: The Dark World. The early scenes with Natalie Portman on weird dates and stuff is hilarious. Rene Russo is spectacular. Um, some of the Loki Thor stuff is very good. What's wrong with your eye? Um, I'm sorry. I'm just watching. Look, I mean, Rene Russo is Rene Russo for president. She is a queen. I mean, look at those eyes. The intensity. I was raised by witches. I was going to say, one of the great parts of the dark world is we learn that not only does Loki have a huge soft spot for his mom and is very traumatized when she dies, actually, um, is Loki, as Thor is, and they bond over that in a weird way. Um Oh, there's Natalie Portman. This is new shooting. She came in probably for five minutes. Who cares? But Natalie Portman is now the mighty Thor. And look, they linger on her face. You can tell it's modern Natalie Portman. Oh, oh, this is so great. I mean, we didn't know about the mighty Thor. So Rock is just going to stick her in the butt. (laughs) Now he's unloading himself to his mom. This is as important as Steve realizing his feelings for Peggy coming up and Tony having the long extended conversation with his father. Um, You know, Hulk is technically one of the quote unquote big four, but he's really more with Natasha and Hawkeye. You know, it's really about Thor, Cap and, and, and Tony at the top in terms of their personal relationships. We learn that 
Loki learned some of his tricks from his mom, who definitely knows that she didn't give birth to Loki, and that he was the adopted snow chi- ice child or whatever the fuck it is. Um, but this is ex- what she's doing with Thor, who she knows from another time, and she already senses her death is nigh, and it's inevitable, and they both need to come to terms with it. Look at the way she just touches that that wig as if it were really her son. I mean, this is so beautiful. I mean, the problem is, you know, this this scene, which is sort of a you know deleted scene, quote unquote, from from the the dark world, is better than almost anything in the dark world. If they had just been able to achieve this then, but it was it wasn't the right time. It wasn't the right time. But again, I've always said. You must be mom. I've always said Iron Man. I, I don't love the Iron Man movies. I love Iron Man and Tony Stark in the Avengers movies and Captain America Civil War. I don't love Iron Man, the Iron Man movies across the board in general. Um, I do love Thor 1. Uh, Thor 2 has, is, is not good. But this makes you reappreciate what's going on with it. Oh, here it comes. What am I looking at? Sometimes it takes a second. It's his mom talking about his hammer, which is his dick. Oh, man. That's one thing we didn't set up beautifully is the penis, the subtle penis joke that, that little kids wouldn't catch on to. Oh, boy. Dun, dun, dun. Okay, guys, here comes the Chris Pratt dance scene. One of the first commentaries I did with my professional mic setup and my you know my whole Mac thing compression making it sound like the Bizzlecast Star Trek Winter Soldier Avengers, but I did this movie and this is you know after a very sad scene with his dying mom to start is an amazing beginning. Now Chris Pratt like Scarlett Johansson and Chris Evans has not aged, so it's hard to know which are the new scenes. Yeah, now we hear him singing out of tune and not slick whatsoever. This is great between Nebula and Rhodey. So this could have been Captain Marvel and this could have been more romantic. They decided to go a different way. I'm actually happy about it. And Rhodey just smacks him out, which is exactly what we should do. Um, but as I've said, you know, Don Cheadle might be a lot older than Brie Larson, but they're both brilliant nominated slash wit you know award-winning actors i think having a even a subtle unrealized romance between roadie and and you know and captain marvel and in the comics would be fantastic this is also see th- so guardians you know took the just whedon irreverence formula and took it to another level the james gunn formula which was to constantly put yourself in serious situations and then immediately make a joke about it every single time and because they all hit it was great so this is making fun of that where it's this whole indiana jones like oh we have to jump over all these traps and stuff and it's just like no i'm just gonna stick my hand in there and have fire come off of it after I pull it out but that's all that's gonna happen oh this is the bonding over uh right over being um well right so she's heavily modified he's partially crippled fully crippled with other technology this is great this I did not call this I did not call I def- I knew there would be multiples of characters with the time travel stuff, but Nebula trapping future Nebula 
through their psychic connection is so ghost in the shell um, and is kind of unrevisited in this movie. I don't know if we're going to see it in WandaVision or other properties, but this stuff transcends time travel because now it's about different versions different levels of evolution of the same people dealing with one another, especially when you have a sort of psychic, robotic, cybernetic connection like Nebula does here. But what... Look, again, I'm never going to say I love that Thanos was the villain and then he dies and then Thanos was the villain again. I'm never going to love that. However... The fact that he listens to a recording and views a recording of his future self failing or partially failing and immediately recognizes what that means in terms of his decisions is actually very brilliant, or at least shows how brilliant he is, Thanos. To see himself in five years damaged, defaced, you know, about to be killed, admitting that he's kind of confused, boom, head get cut off. So Thanos is already putting together the calculus of like, how do I survive and what I have to do to, to result in actual conquering? This guy's great. He's super Star Trek, super evil Star Trek guy. Karen Gillan. I mean, just killing it as Nebula. I say it all the time. I don't know what else to say. Nebula is one of the coolest and most original Marvel characters on screen ever. You know, given her potential relationship with Gamora, I'm sure they always wanted to keep Nebula on, but her being a major Avenger, good guy and bad guy in the final movie, I'm not sure they saw seven years ago, but I could be wrong. Thanos knows. She's about to get smacked down, right? Oh, here he goes. So there's a direct line from here to the battle at the end. But we have to have the Tony Cap stuff because they're the two guys. Sorry, buddy. We got a problem. Oh, no. Oh, uh, no. <laughs> I just got in the head with the Hulk. Yeah. It's shot. Paul Rudd. I mean, Paul Rudd is going toe-to-toe with Robert Downey Jr. comedically in a tense way. You were in the time list. Yeah. He's blaming Tony. And this is a mirror of them talking about uh, it in a second when they look at each other about the base. This is a mirror of them talking without talking about Wakanda and Vibranium and, and Ultron, where they know what's going on with Claw and Ultron. And the other people are like, what's Wakanda? Mm-hmm. Garden State, the same base they went to with Zola and the Winter Soldier, baby. We're going back. I have a vaguely exact idea. Is such a weed in line. Again, thank you, Marcus and McFeely. Vaguely exact idea. Pretty definitely. If you ever say pretty definitely, think. Oh, man, they give it to Lang. So I think they don't tell him because they're just in their own world and don't and think Ant-Man's disposable, but they're also trying not to screw up the timeline. America, Rogers, yeah. 
All right, so last last bit. Thanks for the pep, pep talk, pissant. God, pissant. Another weed in this word. Here we go. Your call. Call a cap. Here we go. This is it. This is it. All the fireworks of revisiting the old movies here is worth it for this. And now, Haley Atwell, another Bizzle prediction that Haley Atwell would eventually break out as a ginormous star. She has, there's Stan Lee in the 70s. Haley Atwell was able to announce that she is the lead female character in not only the next Mission Impossible movies, but the next two Mission Impossible movies, which makes me think they're the last ones and they're going to be back-to-back cliffhangers. Haley Atwell's the what? I said I would never see a Tom Cruise action movie again. I'm so sick of the Mission Impossible stuff. But God bless Haley Atwell. And while I do love Tony's interaction um, with... um, uh, his dad here, 1971 version of his dad, um, and their sort of exchange with each other is is very touching and uh, Slattery, or whatever his name is, that plays Tony's dad in this in, in Civil War, is an excellent, excellent, excellent actor, and they're great together. Good luck on your project, Doctor. Um, it, it's all about Peggy and Steve, and the I was bought in. Look, when I first saw this movie, I recognized the flaws immediately, but I also recognized that I loved it and was going to continue loving it. But if there was even two to five percent unsurety um, about this movie being one of my favorites, despite flaws or, or or you know whatever, ending it after the very long stark, you know, funeral stuff, but ending it on Peggy and Steve as sort of old fashioned American locked in what I thought I knew and what I I hoped was true, which was that the Russos were not only up to the challenge, but equals of at least Joss Whedon as directing the Avengers and everyone in the Avengers and that they understood that Tony's the superstar in terms of, uh, you know, uh, celebrity star power, but Captain America is the absolute heart. And more than Robert Downey Jr. even, as brilliant as he is, Chris Evans as Captain America at the moment seems completely irreplaceable. It's funny to think whether Slattery, uh, what's his full name? Potts. Oh, Howard Stark. I was going to say, it's also weird because uh, the guy who plays Howard Stark in Cap 1 in the Peggy Carter series and so forth is also a great actor, uh, Dominic, uh, what's his name? Um, who's not in this guy. Um, I was going to say, is it's interesting whether um, John Slatter is Howard Stark is subconsciously less suspicious about Tony Stark because he's Tony Stark, even though he's about to have the baby that's going to become Tony Stark. Um, and I think the answer to that is definitely yes, because he unloads an incredible amount of personal information who a typical alpha male in 1970s and Howard Stark, uh, there's even younger Michael Douglas. Uh, I'm not a huge fan of this. So they do a good job. Um, so yeah, I mean, I guess what I'm saying is he, he clearly ends up subconsciously trusting Tony Stark, you know, our Tony Stark in his universe. 
So we're about 140 in. I'm starting to wonder how this gets to three hours, because I always think the third act is too short. There it is. They can steal a bunch of them. And the question is, is Cap already thinking, despite his, you know, <laughs> he's not the, the highest aptitude in, in theoretical physics. Th- I mean, this scene is great. If you want to tune me out and just watch this brilliant character interaction between the Starks, um, that's goes in the way neither of them think. I, I You know, this is a, a Academy-level stuff by both of these guys, by Slatter and RDG, RDJ. Um, and you can tell Robert Johnny Jr. loves acting with Slattery, um, just as everyone loves acting with Robert Downey Jr. Um, let's just say that the greater good rarely outweighs my own self-interest. Right. This is... Him being way on more honest, Howard Stark that is, than he ever would be to his future son that he's not sh- sure is his future son, and Tony realizing that his dad just said the thing that he's been wanting to say all this time, which is, I kind of hate myself for being so selfish. I'm aware that it's happening, and I'm trying to get better. But Tony's already, through his actions, overcome that in this movie. But hearing his dad say it as a flaw that they share in one another is great okay here's young steve i mean i'm i'm about to start losing it i'm about to start losing it oh margaret carter oh my god there she is Haley atwell we see she's so stunning she's in such high demand in british theater but i i'm like there's no way hollywood is not going to give her a ginormous role even if she's in her mid to late 30s because she's so stunning she's so charismatic she's an a plus 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 actress in terms of chops look at this her pretending not to see steve here and steve's face i mean he looks just like young cap he looks like just just like young steve rogers here I mean, this is what really hit me. I knew what was going on with the Tony and dad stuff, you know, and, and I, it, it hit me harder than I thought. But I wasn't necessarily expecting this, even though once I guessed the time tr- they were going to in the 70s that it would be possible. Um, and then, as I was saying, the Russo's ending it with, you know, just happily ever after with Cap and Peggy within the time travel dynamic and the character setup is absolutely brilliant. I know Joss Whedon and all the directors who contributed to this universe, the best parts of this universe were thrilled with how this all came together and ended. And I just remember the good stuff, right? He did no amount of money ever bought a second of time. I quote that or try to. No amount of money ever bought a second of time. I love that quote. I love that this is the sort of, you know, sentimental John version of John Connor of like, did he learn the quote because he learned it from his son who he hasn't given birth to, who's then going to come back from the future and this, the whole thing. Howard. Everything's going to be all right. He's giving a pump up to his dad, only to die and leave his daughter. Oh, man. Alan Silvestri did indeed come back to do this entire soundtrack. God bless him. People people forget. People forget that people criticize the Avengers theme as being too simplistic in the original movies. Uh, and now everyone realizes how brilliant it is. 
It's like Lord of the Rings. You know, sometimes you just have to go simple and hard and powerful. Speaking of hard and powerful, here we have Karen Gillan, a.k.a. Nebula, beating up Karen Gillan, a.k.a. Nebula, and it's absolutely glorious. It's glorious. So, what people forget is that Gamora only decides to betray Ronan and her dad at the beginning of Guardians 1, and it's sold totally through performance. But this is what's brilliant. So, Nebula from our time here, good Nebula, knows that in in every timeline, Gamora has turned or is about to turn at this moment. And so she's trying to flip her as quick as possible. She's already deduced that she's probably not going to be able to flip, you know, um, early, earlier Nebula, but, but Zoe Saldana as Gamora in the main timeline of the mythology is already flipping sides. And, after their bonding moments and becoming sisters again in Guardians 2, which was by far the best part of that movie. Oh, man. So here, here's, here's a robot fucking with a robot who's her. I mean, this is so Ghost in the Shell. Uh, I hope they explore this more. Um, I'm not sure they will, because then we can get back to, you know, stock bad guy Thanos on his throne, who, again, is way more interesting than he should be because of... How do I look? Oh, man. Here it is. Here it is, guys. This is it. This was the main thing that left a bad taste in my mouth. Wasn't how this was done, but the fact that Natasha's death elicits a couple moments of of sadness and anger compared to, you know, Tony Stark's like 30 minute long funeral, it seems like. But given her heartbreakingly traumatic and sad background as she says coming up with the red skull right here she never heard her dad's name before now even she was taken as an assassin as we're hopefully going to see more of in her movie it's actually sort of a fitting end for her to sacrifice herself somewhat quietly and and but shockingly so of course you know they couldn't get Hugo Weaving. They get everybody back. Gwyneth Paltrow, you know, everybody they can get back. Natalie Portman, they couldn't get back Hugo Weaving. Um, I know he wasn't thrilled with just the process of Cap 1 with the Red Skull, I think. But I, I don't know. It doesn't matter. I mean, the, the you know, Smith from The Matrix, Smith and Hugo Weaving are in, inextricable no matter what i mean you couldn't make those movies and have that role without him being openly smith as hugo weaving whereas red skull i mean he he he's transported to another dimension at the end of captain america so you know it's a totally different spirit where it's fine So, I had already put together what was happening right here and i had already put together and i'm not just saying this guys because i admit when i fuck up you know, like I said, I knew there'd be time travel in alternate universes in this movie, but I was mostly wrong with the implementation of it. Um, but I knew that one of these two was going to sacrifice, and I, I knew that because she's the best fighter and she just always finds a way to win, that Black Widow was going to be the one to die. They weren't going to kill the family man. And in fact, they were going to make Black Widow kill herself um, to 
protect the family of the family man who she loves, but also loves the family. If you've been following all the movies. Yeah, whatever it takes. And now they think they're agreeing. They realize quickly they're disagreeing of who's going to be the one. Um, and this is both a fun and sad bit of gags up here where they're trying to stop each other. But my dad was definitely turning to me in the theater being like, tell me this is not happening. I'm like, it's happening, dad. He's like, who's going to go? I'm like, I know dad just from knowing these movies so well. Um, and this right there was when I knew in that look in that look and the hands I'm starting to think we mean different people here, Natasha. I knew that she was going to find a way to, to kill herself, to protect him and his family. Cause her family is them is the Avengers. And after everything she's been through to be the ultimate good guy, save him, save his family and save the universe. She's almost happy to make the sacrifice. Right. He thinks like daredevil that, you know, he's done or Batman or something. He's done so many horrible things. He can't come back. But she already sees the long game, which is if we win, you get your family back and your humanity back. And I love you and your family. And we know through the Budapest thing that he turned her to the good guys um, when she was not a good guy. You're a pain in my ass. You know that? Oh, my God. Scarlet with the eyes. This is such a Hollywood shot. This is amazing. So I know there's still some people who don't love Renner uh, or like Renner as, as Hawkeye. I don't understand it. I think he's great. Fine. We all love Scarlett Johansson. That much we can agree on. She's amazing as Black Widow. Everyone wants the movie. Here they go, fighting. Um, right, tell my family I love them. What did she say? Tell them yourself. Right, tell them yourself. Yeah, that's the Black Panther move. She pulls on T'Challa. Um, but, you know... I talked to Alistair, my uh, contributor from Novastream in Australia... Right, here's him thinking it's over. He's the one to die. And I asked him, because he saw the... I, I didn't see the movie for like a week. I didn't have time. And so I blocked out all spoilers. Again, I made all my predictions well before the movie. Um, I knew Scarlet was going to be the one to go here. It's, it's sad. Um, but we're getting the movie, so it's okay. Um, but... I asked Alistair, I said, I want no spoilers about the character or the movie, but who was your MVP of this film? Okay. So me not seeing it, knowing nothing, him seeing it. And he said, Jeremy Renner as Hawkeye. And while I would have actually given it to Black Widow, because she has more time on screen as usual and heavier load to bear here and everywhere else. It's because of him and vice versa. These two were the two I wanted to see so much from. And uh, here goes Natasha. And my dissatisfaction with Natasha dying like this was a: we saw Zoe Saldana die like this in an even sadder way when Thanos drops her in the previous movie, and then she comes back to life. But like, why doesn't Scarlett Johansson come back to life? Makes no sense. It's the same scene twice, but that's part of the mirroring. I get it. Um. Uh, but also I just wanted more between these two. That was it. I just wanted more between Nat and, uh, and Clint, which is what I always want. And so I, I think for sure Clint played by Jeremy Renner, Clint Barton, Hawkeye is going to be in at least a tiny bit 
even if at the very end of the Black Widow movie, I've been speculating more and more that Chris Evans is going to be in it just because it's their heavy hitter movie. It's their Avengers movie. Like normally the first week of May for Marvel slash Disney is like Iron Man, Cap, Guardians, or the Avengers. You know, next year it's Black Widow. So maybe you bring Chris Evans and some other fan favorites, Hawkeye, um, especially because we know Hawkeye is the one who sort of turns her, takes place after... Great reaction by Renner there. He's got it. There's hope, but Nat's gone. Um, no, we'll, we'll see. We'll see. We'll see. Part of me thinks there's going to be a lot of surprise cameos in Black Widow, and part of me thinks there's not, and I'm cool either way. So here's the first negative re- reaction to Natasha dying, and I'm glad they don't oversell it, mostly with Hulk, Mark Ruffalo Hulk, being the one to be angry, um, along with Renner being traumatized, and, and Evans, obviously. Where's Nat? This says it all. He just kills it. This is why Alistair gave him MVP. It looks like this. Just completely nails the sadness. Um, I'm glad they kept this understated. And this is the what are you fighting for that you lose. So we've got Tony Stark fighting for his daughter and wife, who are very much alive. But now... They're also angry because Nat's dead because of Thanos and all of this nonsense, and they're and they're still dealing with it. Do family? Yeah, us. Oh, Cap knows. Thor's angry again. Right. Yeah, Thor's r- totally right here. He says what I just said. Let's we have the stones. Let's bring her back. Where the Avengers get it together, can't get her back. The reason they can't get her back is not because of the death, but because of the sort of metaphysical existential event that occurred that that leads to them getting the soul gem is dependent on her death. So if she comes back to life, it reverses everything they've done in a way, on a higher level, I suppose, than what they're already doing. The red floating guy had to say. Renner is just killing... I mean, you know, I can see people not liking Renner. For me, he's... I love watching him, specifically for the moments he loses it, because he's usually so under control. It's supposed to be me. Uh, I'm wrong, guys. <laughs> they they react as angrily and as long as I could have hoped for for Natasha's death. I was just so traumatized and, and pissed because I think there was a little voice in the back of my head saying Nat was going to be the one, one of the ones to die. I thought maybe Tony would die. He does. I thought Cap would die. He doesn't. But, right, this is the other part of the what are you fighting for. We're fighting for... Uh, that's the thing. Even if this time travel fails, they still, as Natasha says in the beginning, and is the main quote in the trailer about, you know, we owe them to, what does she say? Like, we owe them to, <laughs> we owe them to do the best we, you know, we, we owe them to try to do something after them all dying. And so, even if this all fails, they still have to put in the effort to deal. Uh, here's Thor. Oh, Thor immediately volunteers for the put on the gauntlet. Right, the right opportunity. Um, is they they have to fight back. That's Cap's thing. You know, we, we lose, we lose together. We still fight. 
I think I had, I don't know. I think I had turned my brain off at this point, honestly, and stopped trying to guess what was going to happen because the middle act was so much cooler. We're revisiting the old movies and I thought it was going to be with the time travel. Jeez whiz. Man. Didn't need a gag uh, joke, quote unquote, there, but give it to Don Cheadle if you're going to do it. This is the, again, a mirror of Hulk in the first movie saying, I got really low. I've tried to kill myself, guys. Trust me. I put a bullet in my mouth and the other guy, meaning the Hulk, spit it out. Here he is sacrificing for an unbelievably unselfish and altruistic, but also incredibly mentally focused reason uh, in the way. So here's not Nebula. You know, it's interesting. In some ways, she's the most complicated looking. Okay, the, that, that thing of the fingers splitting into other, you know, digits or whatever is straight from the cyber operators from Ghost in the Shell. I, I love it. Tony loves Bruce Banner. He's loved him since the beginning when he says, I love the way you get big and green and destroy things. You know, you're strutting. You're, you're you know, you, you need to strut big guy. You're, you're, you're uh... Oh, here they're all getting armored up. Tony with the shield f- for him and Hawkeye. But they're not going to leave the room. He loves Bruce Banner. As I said in my Ultron commentary way back in the day, it's his first and most honest bromance for the two of them. Yes, he's got a bromance thing for Thor and Cap as well. But him and Bruce are really soul- soulmates as buddies. Not, And that's why Bruce goes along with Ultron. Here it comes. So at the two hour mark, we have Hulk with the fucking gauntlet in the Iron Man hand. Oh my God. This was great. Because you felt like Banner was going to survive. Yeah, Nebula just not being there. So, you know, again, Thanos from the past being the ultimate villain after we have Thanos from the present wouldn't have been my first choice, but because of the said earlier scene where, man, Mark Ruffalo just killing it in the snap, boom. His his arm falls off, he passes out. Um, But because of the fast recognition and calculation that Thanos from the past does when he sees Nebula from the future's vision of him dying and how he fails, he immediately calculates that he has to go earlier is actually Thanos' plan. Um, It's possible that Thanos' reaction uh, is impulsive, and actually Thanos from 2014, Guardians of the Galaxy Thanos, uh, when he saw the vision of how Thanos from 2019 dies, um, or what happens, you would think actually that Thanos might d- delay it or just come up with different plans. But nope, Thanos from 2014, being impulsive bad guy, decides to. Oh, there's Linda Cardellini. I love her. Look at look at Renner. 
I mean, the thing is, it doesn't even matter that they're replacing anonymous great young actress who plays Kate uh, with Haley Steinfeld or, or a big actress because Redder is so great with kids. Wives, kids, he's fantastic with them. Up oh, here comes, I love this. This is what sold it to me. This is what sold it to me. Was not, not only was the calculation for Thanos from 2014 uh, to immediately come back earlier, uh, but to do a full-on a, a, a full offensive of the Avengers as his first step it makes total sense. Again, I think his conclusions were flawed that he should go back immediately and attack them um, as, as we see as the results. This is cool. This is a little callback to Ultron. Canopy, canopy, canopy. Right. I thought they were going to kill a bunch of people in that explosion. It would have been more powerful, but Marvel does not like to kill their characters for better or worse. This is filmed great. You know, this is sort of filmed how, like, when Cap and Nat get stuck in explosions and stuff in the Winter Soldier, the Russos know how to do this dark uh, action movie shooting. Here's Ant-Man. All right, so when all the other characters come in, I'm going to lose my mind. And that's what ultimately... That's what I've been saying, the time signature. Two hours and four minutes... So, you know, we don't get any of the other main Avengers other than the originals in Rocket and Nebula until like two hours and 10, two hours and 15 minutes, and then it's 20 minutes of awesomeness, and then it's over. Um, but it was obviously smart with the $3 billion and the great reviews, but specifically to realize that the final movie should be about the original Avengers plus a couple of other popular, interesting ones like Nebula and, and Rocket, but specifically the original six. Um, the money shows it, the reviews show it, the fan response shows it. So what's great about Hawkeye that people don't appreciate and this is why he makes the joke about I'm just a guy with a bow and arrow with Elizabeth Olsen and Ultron is he knows he's just a guy with a bow and arrow, and so he's constantly getting his ass kicked and doing a, you know, as much as he can, which isn't that much compared to these other super-powered guys. And that, that makes him great to me. Here he is, Thanos from 2014, coming into 20... I guess this would be 2024 with the five-year time jump, so it's a 10-year. Yep. So this is the future. Well done. Mm-hmm. Yep. It was inevitable, as Thanos slash Smith would say, that this nebula was going to die. What will you do? Mm-hmm. What will you do? I believe that's probably a reference to the vision when... The, when they create the vision and Bruce Banner says, you know, what if you turn out to be as bad as Ultron? And then with a very mischievous look on his face, uh, Paul Bettany as, as the vision, newly born vision, you know, kind of coyly smiles and says, what will you do? You know, not as a direct challenge, but just as a rational inquiry of like, you just made me the most powerful being on the planet. What will you do if it turns out not the way you want? I try to kill you. Right. Yep. 
and this works completely with Gamora's character in Guardians 1 in the initial timeline, which is that she's well aware of the horribleness that's going on with Thanos and so forth, and she's just looking for an excuse. And so the fact that future Nebula, and let's be honest, not only Thanos, but past Gamora here puts together the time stuff and that they have their sister moment even more powerfully here that was set up in Guardians 2 is just great. Um, and of course, you know, people are, are, already hate or are mad at Peter Quill. <laughs> you lose it again. I'm keeping it, says Tony with the shield. All right, guys. Here we go. Here we go. Buckle up. Buckle up. So, my favorite video game uh, in recent, you know, in 21st century is The Witcher 3. And part of it's because I love The Witcher. But the whole game, you're doing side quests to try and meet with Siri, who's your adoptive daughter, who's essentially Luke Skywalker. And they keep stretching out longer and longer you getting to her, which you know is going to be the big moment in the game. And they stretch these scenes out just enough. The snaps happened, so you're thinking, okay, it looks like apocalypse. Like the apocalypse, where's everyone else? These are the big three, of course. Here's Lebowski. Yep. There he is. God of Thunder. Mm Mm-hmm. It's a God of Thunder. That's why Natalie can be the mighty Thor, because he's the god of thunder, let's be honest. So, the facial stuff on Thanos looks increasingly good with each movie and looks great here. The lips, they still can't nail. I mean, that's the one thing Rogue One wasn't able to. The best video games can't. Even here, they're almost there with the lips. Mm-hmm. As long as there are those I remember what was, there will always be those. Right. Right. So this is, yeah. Uh, the reasoning. Right. We're all kinds of stubborn, says Tony. This is what genocide. Right. This is always the justification. Is like, well, it's terrible if we kill you, but if we don't kill you, then your descendants are going to come take revenge on us, so we better just kill you now. Which is what The Witcher is kind of about, actually. And ultimately, Josh Brolin and the writing of Thanos is quite good, but the character of Thanos is still just a punching bag for the Avengers. So like I said... You're going, when are the other Avengers coming back? You know, wouldn't you think Doctor Strange would have figured the timeline out? Maybe it can't be exact. Okay, here we go. Here we go. The end of all things, as they say in Return of the King. See on the other side, Rocket's crying. Oh, yeah, baby. Uh Uh-huh. Right, here's Hawkeye just running and trying not to die, which I love. Boom. I guess he blew up some... Uh, nope. The thing is, is like... 
it's not even a joke that the aliens are stock faceless nameless aliens we don't even get a good look at them the whole time they seem like kind of cool horror creatures like from dark souls or or you know like a horror video game or something or the witcher but we don't ever get a good look at them Uh uh-oh is she gonna kick his ass Oh, no, she's going to take the glove to Thanos. Oh, boy. This is it. This is it. This is it. This is... I don't know what what fratricide (laughs) is when it comes to sisters or even your own self from a different time. I mean, this is a side plot and quote-unquote side character that did not need to be in this giant film at all. But Karen Gillan is just killing it as both versions of Nebula. I mean, Zoe Saldana is one of my faves. You guys know that, and I love her and everything. But, you know, Karen Gillan, uh, she admits that she's a slave. Boom. Killed by New Gamora. She knows she's not going to change because she knows her, what herself in 2014 was like. Weirdness. I mean, that's the problem, is they do kill two of our most loved characters, and Natasha and Tony, but with the time travel, you like Thor said, you'd think they'd come back. Okay, here we go. Thor powering Iron Man. Here, this is an Ultron reference, him baseball batting the hammer, but with the axe. Okay, Iron Man gets thrown. There's Friday, the new AI. Cap, of course, has to get his ass beat, just straight up. Thor, underneath. Boom, with the axe. I don't know what Thanos' thing is made of. It's adamantium or or vibranium or something. His uh, two-sided spear thing. I mean, I will say, you know, the connectivity of, of CGI, Cap, Thor, and Iron Man, and so forth, is seamless with, with Thanos um, in a way they've never accomplished. In fact, I think Avengers 3 and 4 have significantly better effects. Boom. Oh, here we go, baby. Yes. Yes, another Ultron payoff. Another Avengers Age of Ultron payoff. Cap with the hammer. Thor, I knew it. Yeah, he saw it move. Oh, Cap can use the hammer. He knows it now, baby. I mean, come on. If you if you like comic books or comic movies at all, how can you not love this shit? He's got the shield and the hammer. Gets both back. Oh, man. Oh, Cap is just... Min maxing and the shit out of Thanos. Oh, with the lightning. Oh, yes. Captain America with the lightning, baby. He's thinking about Peggy Carter, people. I'm telling you. He's already thinking about it. Boom. Sorry if this is loud. There's no way I cannot watch this loud. I can't watch this not loud. Whatever. Boom. 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 Cap. Cap gets hit. We know lasers don't do anything to cap but bullets and blades can fuck them up oh yeah shield on blade breaks the shield we knew he'd get that image at some point they really waited as long as possible with captain america to break fully break the shields so his thing is stronger than vibranium which comes from another planet that's how strong it is here we go 
Here it is. This is one of people's favorite moments ever. This is the moment that made this movie $3 billion right here. And it comes from the Winter Soldier, which is my favorite Marvel movie and my favorite characters. All my years of conquest, violence, slaughter. It was never personal. Spoken like a true mobster. Just business. It's not personal, just business. Yeah, this is a terrible final villain. Right, stubborn, annoying little planet. I'm going to enjoy it. Right, now he's going to enjoy it, which doesn't make him more interesting. He was more interesting when he was completely cold and calculating. And here's the faceless army. And they're in, they're dressed like orcs. They're moving like orcs. I mean, I called this Return of the King, you know, Marvel edition. That's like a cave troll. I mean, I don't think they're even trying to hide it at this point. I mean, you know it's coming, guys. And that's why they needed the evil villain speech before the tides turned. The difference is the Ro- the Rohirrim come somewhat earlier in uh, Return of the King. Actually, not because it's four hours. Oh, here's the Chitari stuff, and the you know Tony saw we saw New York and Tony's vision from Wanda and Ultron. It's all coming back. They're all minions of Thanos. All right, the beautiful end of the world. Here it is, Sam. The portal opening behind Cap is what people go crazy about. Cap, it's Sam, can you hear me? Oh, yeah, baby. Oh, here comes Doctor Strange. Here comes everybody. Here comes people. Yes, Wakanda first. Oh, I love it. I love the Black Panthers first. It's so It's so brilliant. That's what everyone loves. That's what everyone wants more of. Yes. Shuri and Koye and Shuri and uh, T'Challa. Cap. He's starting to starting to believe. Like Neo. <laughs> okay. Here comes Falcon. It, now it's a, a, a tally sheet of all the superheroes. They had to do this. They had to. They maybe waited too long. There's Mantis, Drax, Doctor Strange, Star-Lord. Oh, yeah, Chris Pratt, baby. Spidey! Now he's out of the MCU. Sorry, guys. Sorry, Tom Holland. You do a great job. Cap smiling. They're in Kosa, baby. Kosa. Ain't going back. Oh, yeah, Wakanda leading the charge. Yes, I knew. I thought maybe this would happen, that Wakanda would be the ultimate fighters. Oh, there's Bucky, Groot. Yes, Tessa Thompson on the... uh, Okay, okay, here's the Scarlet Witch. Here was like, if ever the Scarlet Witch was going to step forward as the dominant character that I think she is and could be, it's going to be right here. I was like, Elizabeth Olsen as the Scarlet Witch has to absolutely wreck it. Oh, we get Gwyneth in the Iron Man suit. Is that everyone? What you wanted more? Oh, Benedict Wong. The two of these guys. I hope Benedict Wong is alive and strange. We got Giant Man with Ant-Man. Oh, man. Here comes the Hulk. Yes. Uh, yeah. And here comes the Return of the King charge. So we needed the orcs, bad guys, to charge the Wakandan good guys. So the black people are the good guys, finally, in these things. 
dun, dun, dun. Here's Alan Silvestri building up to the theme. Dun, 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 dun. We get it. Here it comes. Assemble. Yeah. Oh, Tessa Thompson on a Pegasus, baby, flying with a spear. Oh, man, this is so glorious. I just wanted this to last forever. Yeah. Pointing it out. Uh-huh. Yes. Okay, so I see Wanda flying in the background. I'm watching Scarlet Witch. I'm turning to my dad. I'm literally saying, Dad, watch Scarlet Witch, watch Scarlet Witch, watch Scarlet Witch. I know she's going to do something. I know she's going to do something. I know it. I know it. They teased it in Infinity War, her power. Oh, oh, giant man punching the giant Chitauri chip. Ship, the Wakandans, Shuri, everyone murdering it. Drax stabbing things. Oh, man. There's Korg and Meek. Yeah, there's Gwyneth Paltrow as alternate Iron Man, Ms. Iron Man, or whatever they call it. Cap, looking totally practical. Yeah, Thor Thor, Thor wants the big one. He doesn't care that it's not the hammer. Uh, there's Bucky with the gun. Yeah. Would have been cool to see Bucky with the arm. Can't have everything. But they needed to keep the main players in the fight here. So Ant- Giant Man tries to step on him. Oh, and here's the Mr. Stark. This is this is why people are mad. This is why people are mad. People aren't mad because the two Spider-Man movies are amazing. Maybe they are, maybe they aren't. People are mad because this relationship is so spectacular from when it started in Civil War, through the Spider-Man movie, through the Avengers. And this is nice. You know, Tony's conversion to humanity started with, with Peter Parker, not even his own family. There's Star-Lord getting his ass kicked, and sorry if I'm yelling, quill panting. Oh, is this where he sees Gamora, and Gamora just kicks him in the nuts? So, if you guys listen to my podcast, I have never been a, uh, what would they be called? Quill, Peter Quill, and Gamora. Quamora? I've never been a Quamora guy. I never wanted them to be romantic, and so what happens here makes me so happy and hoping that any romantic romanticness you missed the first <laughs> then you got him both the second time chris pratt is great oh no this is the one seriously the choices were him or a tree oh man they're crushing his ego so marvel has a problem with not a lot of man- male characters going forward that's another podcast here's falcon okay now we got Hawkeye running. This is like a Natasha thing. You know, Natasha's not always sh- shoot, shoot, shoot. She's doing, you know, smart stuff. Boom, cap with the lightning and the hammer. Oh, yeah, baby. So Bar- Barton's running around with the, with the glove, with the gauntlet, trying to figure out who to give it to. That wasn't only time machine. Wait, what? I forget what this is when he calls the van. I always think Luis is going to show up. Uh oh. Interesting. Oh. Ah, uh, yeah. Yeah. Evangeline Lily, like Brie Larson, wasn't necessarily a giant fan. She's been great in the Ant-Man stuff. And she's great here. Here's Strange. Right. You said one out of 14 million, we win. Strange says, I can't tell you. But he's. he's he says, if I tell you what happens, it won't happen. But he's conveying a very directly, in my opinion, to Iron Man that you have to sacrifice 
And so, if that's the case, then why doesn't he just say it? But, you know. It's a mess back here. They're used to making out in this van. Now it's the apocalypse with Thanos. That's hilarious. I have to hotwire it. That's Han Solo, obviously. These aliens around Thanos have been super cool in all the movies. Here comes the gauntlet. So the bait and switch with the gauntlet is very clever. I'm not sure I've ever put it together. Clint, give it to me. Oh, yes. And uh, I think as Medi G pointed out, they, they give it to both the old and new players in sort of the relay race. You know, this is like Rogue One with the Death Star plans. Um, oh, man. Black Panther being Black Panther. He lost it. Uh, here it comes. Here it comes, people. Here it comes. Here it comes. This is it. This is Elizabeth Starr going from c- cool to super amazing awesomeness. You will. Yeah, I don't know you. You will. Uh, just like with Ultron. Uh, here she goes, full flying. Oh, baby. Oh, yeah. She's just wrecking Thanos with the Earth. Oh, all her powers. Elizabeth Olsen, from the beginning, has known how to do this. Oh, man. Ugh. Love the Scarlet Witch. I can't wait for Wanda. I got it. I got it. Here comes Spidey. We know he's not going to activate insta-kill. Oh, yeah. Right. It's okay for Spider-Man to kill aliens. So, Wanda... Oh, look at that con confident smile she just wrecked him uh she's pulling him apart she's completely pulling him apart i mean look how powerful she is she's so clearly the most powerful i mean the russos have even said that they wrote this so it looked like wanda was going to murder him until this happened and now she's trying to protect people she gets knocked over Oh, yeah, Wong and Strange doing their magic thing. I can't believe that Gwyneth did the Iron Man stuff. It's awesome. Is anyone else seeing this? Seeing, still working on believing. Another Ultron reference. This is cool. And this is why Strange and Wanda are going to work awesome together because they're both so powerful and are just, you know just scratching the surface as to their powers in different ways as the Scarlet Witch and Doctor Strange. Here comes the hammer. Oh, it's pull. Oh, it's working as a repulsion device for Peter Parker. I got you, kid. Oh, their adoptive son. Oh, yeah, we get Tessa Thompson as Valkyrie. He's on a Pegasus. Spidey's on a Pegasus with Tessa Thompson. Oh, my God. Oh, man. Yeah, it it is a it's a real shame. I mean, I know Disney owns literally everything, but when it comes to Spider Man, it's clearly better at the MCU than on his own. I don't care how well Venom did or Spider Man Three. Here it comes more space stuff. This is great. You, this is it's a bird, it's a plane. You know, again, I wanted more Carol in this movie. You know, she blows up the ship by flying through it, which is awesome. But ultimately, 
Elizabeth Olsen's at least as powerful as the Scarlet Witch. Who cares? I would love to see Carol and Wanda work together. Because they're both insanely powerful, but both disturbed as well. Here's Captain Marvel with the short hair. And the crash into the ocean of the mothership. Yet again. So here we get the bizarre, you know, ex machina MacGuffin of the Chitari mothership shutting everything down. And the astrification. Hi, I'm Peter Parker. Oh. <laughs> hey, Peter Parker. You got something for me? Yeah. Uh, uh-huh. Here come the cave trolls and the orcs. <laughs> oh, yes. Here come the female Avengers, baby. Yes. It was important that Lizzie was the first, but oh, man. Uh, everyone knew I was going to love this. All my friends were basically waiting to, to ask me about how much I love this, what happened, the female Avengers, how organically it comes together. For better or worse, guys, if you're a Star Wars fan or Marvel fan, most of our hero, lead heroes are females at the moment. I love it because the characters are great and the actresses, but it could be a problem for Marvel. Who cares? This is glorious. Tessa Thompson's still on the Pegasus. Oh, man. Oh, man. Tessa Thompson on a Pegasus. I could just watch forever. Captain Marvel being the cooler version of uh, of Superman, the way Tony Stark's the cooler version of Batman. But Wanda is totally a mutant. I don't care if they have to retcon it. Here it comes. So here comes the bait and switch. So yeah, I mean... That whole fight lasts, I believe, less than 15 minutes with the full Avengers. And they had to hide all of this, keep it all secret. It's, I can't believe it. Not just the actors, but everyone on the film. Thousands of people had to keep it secret. Uh, yes, Cap just straight up puts his arms around Thanos to save Thor. There it comes. Right, so Captain Marvel comes in. She starts punching. Was she been here earlier? She gets thrown. So this is all a trick. So this was always supposed to trick Thanos. And they're still selling the lie, I think. I'm not sure where the magic... It's a magician's thing, you know, sleight of hand. I'm not sure where the sleight of hand happens. Oh, he tries to punch her in the head. Nothing happens. Carol, yep, we knew she was powerful. He pulls out the power gem, punches her with it. I mean, that's, you know, that's that's a heavy punch. And here's Doctor Strange looking at Tony Stark being like, you got to be the one. It's just interesting. Yeah, I remember watching this. I was already kind of sold that that Stark was going to sacrifice. Right, so how does he get it off Thanos here? Mm-hmm. I am inevitable. This is exactly the end of Matrix Reloaded. Sorry, guys. Or Revolutions. Boom. So this was all a long play to fool him. Yeah, I don't know how Tony did it. It's a sleight of hands. I'm not sure we're supposed to know, or maybe I'm just too dumb. 
And this is an amazing sacrifice. Um, I am Iron Man. Oh man, there's the ma- there's the big snap. Thus passeth Anthony Stark, aka Iron Man. That battle is so much shorter than it could have been, than maybe I wanted it to be. Um, but it was glorious. Uh, again, like in every movie, you know, the turning to, to dust is extremely convenient to get rid of all the bad guys and their ships and Thanos. Now, in terms of the connection between the Ashification here uh, from Infinity War, it does make some sense. Um, it, it wouldn't be visually manifested like this. Um, but they're disappearing out of the timeline that they're not supposed to be the way it was unnaturally done by Thanos in the original film. Um, but you know, again, of the four Avengers films, the only one where they have to actually kill all the bad guys, even though they're robots is Ultron, but that's another story. I like that Thanos is almost, he's relieved. He even smiles a few seconds ago. Um, when I was giving my little spiel there, he smiles. I like that he's the last one. I know it's for dramatic purpose to see Thanos, but he almost feels unburdened even more than the Thanos that gets murdered by Thor um, at the beginning of this film. This Thanos, who had now had foresight because of Nebula and the whole time loop thing, blah, blah, blah. Um, and this is the beginning of the long Tony Stark death, which I do get. I've complained about as my only major nitpick. Um, but you know, as I said, with each watching, not only does the Natasha death get more affecting, uh, but the response to the Natasha death is always much, it continues to be longer and more appropriate and more touching as well with each viewing. Um, and you know, Tony's death also represents the end of you know, the first three phases of the, or what I'm calling act one of the MCU. This, you know, this is also a handoff to Spider-Man, um, who unfortunately at the moment is out of the MCU, but we got, a, which I haven't seen, but everyone loved a great second Spider-Man movie, Far From Home, um, which was sort of dealing with the aftermath, both personally for Peter Parker and just people in general with Tony's death. Um, and, and as I said, I get that, you know, Tony was the first and then without Tony Stark, Robert Downey Jr., Iron Man, you know, John Favreau, who directed the first couple Iron Mans, we wouldn't have an MCU. We wouldn't have all these, um, great or in my case, you know, decent to great movies. Um, as I mentioned in the intro, there's 10 MCU movies I love. This is one of them, like all the, all the Marvel movies, um, uh, uh I'm sorry. I, I'm I'm bla- I'm blabbering here and blathering because this bit by Gwyneth Paltrow as Pepper Potts is she's so sad, obviously. But as I hinted early in the movie, it wasn't just that they were telegraphing his death by what she was saying to him, and she is extremely, extremely sad and will mourn as they all will for Tony Stark. Nevertheless, she knew that he's always been on this path, and despite his apparent and even real selfishness and egotism, you know, over time, because of Captain America, because of the Avengers, because of events, because of her, because now of his daughter and everything else, he's become a true, true 
hero, legendary historic hero. He would have been whether he died or not. Um, but killing Tony Stark was, you know, the, the bookend in that in retrospect, whether you thought was going to happen or not had to happen to bookmark the 11 years of the first act, first three phases of the MCU. Now, I, I haven't heard a ton of behind the scenes about this movie, partially because I stayed away from all spoilers ahead of time. Um, oh, here's Hawkeye with the family, and that's young Kate Bishop, who, although this young actress is great, has a great look, um, uh, it will be replaced seemingly by the spectacular award-winning Haley Steinfeld or another big actress as Kate Bishop, because they want that actress to not only star, co-star in the Hawkeye series, but be the one to receive the baton passed to her by older Hawkeye. Here's Spidey with his friends. This is important that he's getting the emotional support, too. Um, of course, his buddy knows. I think, no, I know for sure, having not seen the second Spider-Man movie, uh, Far From Home, that his lady interest, uh, played by Zendaya, d- does find out, or guesses it. Um, this was cool. This was cool that Tony, before, after he developed the time travel model and knew that it could lead to his death, but before he left to the Avengers facilities that led to this whole craziness for the second two-thirds of the movie, after him and Gwyneth had that conversation, and as I was sort of saying, Gwyneth sort of gave him permission to do it, um, uh, and seeing how much he's grown as a human being and as a hero... Uh, that he would record a, if you, you know, if you hear this, you know, it means I'm dead. This, this is a trope of, you know, store of storytelling in, in Western story, storytelling, at least. Uh, here's Linda Cardellini again, just killing it as Mrs. Uh, I was gonna say Mrs. Renner as Mrs. Barton. <laughs> oh, you, you sneaky little minx, M- Mrs. Barton says Toady, uh, in Ultron, I think. She has to come back. She's, she's played a lead in TV roles. You have to have Linda Cardellini in the Hawkeye series as Haley Steinfeld's mom, uh, Kate Bishop. Um, and so. Anyways, this is a trope of epic, heroic storytelling, but because Tony is kind of used to talking to himself, but here is actually communicating to his family and his friends, it would be, um, it would be fitting. And guys, the fact that this hologram looks totally different, but it has a bluish outline, it it looks exactly like a modern updated version of Help Me Obi-Wan Kenobi, but especially the Force Ghosts of Obi-Wan, um, and later Yoda and Anakin and so forth. It's definitely supposed to look like a Force Ghost. I haven't mentioned that the Russos are open about their love and obsession, especially for Empire Strikes Back, but for Star Wars in general and how, you know, until they got super artsy and started watching French and Italian movies, um, then, uh, uh, their biggest influence in the movie they watched the most was Empire Strikes Back. And I've mentioned some Star Wars references. There's a million more um, in their films. Uh, there's Happy. So, what's it? So, anyways, back to what I was saying. I didn't see behind the scenes, but I knew one thing, which is they had to keep the actors in the dark about Tony's death. They look so sad. They claim they were being told by Marvel that this was actually a wedding scene and that Tony and Pepper Potts hadn't actually been married and that they were getting married or someone was getting married, but everyone looks so sad. Um, so I don't really believe that. I, I think they were told 
to come to this giant shoot with all the characters, and they all are here together, which is beautiful, and part of the reason you needed the long Tony Stark. Look at Mantis, just swaying and dealing, because she's so emotional, and that's her power, it's being an empath and a telepath. There's the Wakandans, Wakanda forever, yes. Um, oh, There's the Bartons. Just just copy and paste Haley Steinfeld's face over that cute young girl to be Kate Bishop. Oh, there's Wanda with Bucky. Yep, there's Team Cap, baby. This is exactly Team Cap One, without Scarlett Johansson. You know, they lost they lost their leader. Um, or I guess they haven't lost Captain America yet. There's Kobe Smulders. There's Captain Marvel off on her own because she's not fully part of the team yet. And there's Nick Fury who's off on his own because he started this whole thing. And so in a way, Tony Stark's death is his fault, but also them messing around with the Tesseract and stuff is S.H.I.E.L.D.'s fault and his fault. And Tony and the Avengers is the one who has to constantly clean up. Even Ultron was an attempt by Tony to prevent what just happened in these past two Avengers movies. Okay, here we go. This is setting up the Marvel Cinematic Universe in the next couple of years, especially on television, but also in the movie. I, you know, if, I, as I've said, and if you listen to my Ultron commentary, I raved constantly about Ultron, specifically these two, Elizabeth Olsen as Wanda, aka the Scarlet Witch, and Jeremy Renner as Clint Barton, aka Hawkeye. Their immediate chemistry and develop, uh, de- de- development almost immediately, two of their father-daughter relationship. Here they're talking about losing Nat, who they both love, about her losing Vision, who she was starting to have a thing with. And now we're getting the Hawkeye series where we deal with his legacy. And then we're, but on the other hand, we're getting WandaVision, which is some version of Vision is going to come back. This is an adorable scene between Jon Favreau, who was so important to all this. Um, and now it's important in Star Wars uh, with Tony's daughter and how he's going to take care of her. And she can have as many cheeseburgers as she wants, like her daddy. Um, it is, this was actually when I, and I'm tearing up now, and I'm listening to this pretty quietly. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm tearing up. This is where I teared up in both viewings, and I'm tearing up now. Oh, man. Oh, man. Oh, man. And here's Thor going to pass the baton, pass the baton to Tessa Thompson as Valkyrie. And it's important because she is a better leader. It's important that she's king and not queen because this is 2019, people. And women can be kings. They don't have to be queens. It doesn't matter. It's just a name. She laughs, but she's older than him and arguably as powerful or more powerful or has the potential to be than Thor. Um, but they're very much seeding that as king, she's going to look for her queen. It is confirmed that Tessa Thompson's character, Val, uh, Valkyrie, um, is indeed looking for her queen, is an LGBT character, finally looking for, I guess, a woman, another woman, certainly not a man, to be her queen to co-rule Asgard with. Thor, of course, needs to go on his whole adventure. And what we didn't know at the time, though, is Thor, at least for now, giving up the mantle of king, giving it to Tessa Thompson as Val, Karai is going to set up him being in the next Guardians movie, but before then, even going on his own solo reclamation adventure, which is going to lead to Natalie Portman being the female Thor, aka the Mighty Thor, baby. You were getting Jane Foster back. Move it or lose it. So here comes the ego scene, uh, not ego the planet, the e- the egos of Peter Quill and Thor. That you know, after all that sadness, we get this very awkward, almost you know, curb your enthusiasm type scene where they're fighting over who's the leader. Peter Quill is clearly the captain and Thor is just on the boat, but Thor is Thor and he still hasn't gotten over his ego. 
But what's funny is, on the one hand, you're going, man, Thor has not really grown at all. Now he's back to being egotistical Thor. But in fact, this is a happy ending for Thor because he'll always be a little egotistical in an unaware, unselfconscious, or I should say unselfaware way. Um, and, you know, and always think he's the best. And after we just saw him give up the kingship to Tessa, he needs to have his own little kingdom here, even though Peter Quill's the one in charge. But anyways, they let this awkward scene play between Quill and Thor so long where they keep saying, oh, it doesn't matter who's in charge. I, I'm in charge. And then, and then again and again and again that you're going, okay, we're definitely getting Thor in the Guardians. They're clearly setting it up here. Um, but I'm glad th- that just the logistics of it and James Gunn, you know, having doing Suicide Squad 2 first and so forth. I'm so glad we're getting Thor 4 before potentially Thor in Guardians of the Galaxy. They're still letting this awkwardness play with the ego, the egos between the two of them. And, and, and especially since uh you know zoe saldana as gamora is back um you know but kicks him in the balls because she doesn't know him because it's different gamora his ego and his balls are already very very sore and thor's ego is also taking a hit and so they're overcompensating by trying to be alpha males just shows their insecurity but also shows that thor is starting to come back into being the thor that we know and love For I am Thor, and I am mighty. (laughs) Passes out. Thor 1. This is great. I think I noticed this on the first one, and I think I guessed that he was going to not come back. Um, You're taking all this stupid with you, says Bucky. Oh, man, these two. I sort of guessed that Cap was going to stay in the past with Peggy. In fact, one of my predictions, guys, the only prediction that I took but modified from someone else, again, all my predictions before this film were based solely on past Avengers movies, Ant-Man and so forth, Doctor Strange, but also the trailer and teasers leading up to this film. I listened to and watched no spoilers, but the one I had heard was that they were going to find a time travel method of him ending up with Peggy Carter. It was very different than this. Um, and I modified mine, and I ended up predicting in a way very similar to this that that he would end up with Peggy. Um, but they do it m- much more minimalistically and more brilliantly and more touchingly than I predicted and or could have hoped. But what's interesting is Sam and, and the Hulk here, Sam Wilson, both think Cap's coming back. But the look on Bucky's face before Cap even gets on that machine, Bucky knows because he knows Steve Rogers. He knows exactly what happened. Look at this. Look at, look at Bucky. He, he's trying to process that Steve is, had stayed in the past with Haley Atwell's Peggy Carter, which indeed he does. And the fact that Bucky sends Sam over to talk to old Steve, who's now lived a whole lifetime with Peggy Carter, who's died, but they had an amazing life together, one, one would assume. Um, by the way, old Cap looks just as great as old Peggy, who's suffering from Alzheimer's in Winter Soldier 2. Um, you know, making their older characters look younger works well, but it's just weird. But making their younger characters look older has been excellent across the board. But Buck, because Bucky knows in his head already what's happened... And Sam's the one who's confused about what's going on. That he sends him. Now, this is also again for the TV series going forward, is signaling as we thought might happen that while Sam and Bucky in the comics both get the shield and play Cap at certain points, right? Did something go wrong or did something go right? 
after I put the stones back. God, this is a brilliant old man performance from from Evans. So he says, after I put the stones back, I thought maybe I'll try and have a life of my own, the life that Tony was saying I should always get, and that's being with, with Peggy Carter. But I think he, as soon as they went to 1971, he steals all the time juice or whatever, the pin particles, and then sees Peggy Carter 1971. Uh, I think since at that point, he was thinking about this. Um, and it just ended up working out that he could pull it off while bringing all the stones back in a way, a way that makes no sense. Here's Cap giving Sam the shield, as I was about to say before. Um, I think even though we knew Sebastian Stan was on like a million contract deal, because he's you know very complicated and dark and, and was disturbed as the Winter Soldier, uh, even though he's trying to be a good guy until Shuri f- cleared his mind. Yep, Bucky's going to nod. And anyways, a number of us nerds had put together that it was probably going to be Sam Wilson, at least at first, to take the shield because he's more like Cap at this point, young, naive, idealistic, morally incorruptible, always does the right things, loves his friend, a natural leader. But the way he's holding it reverentially, and he's, you can already tell he's insecure about taking over Captain America, who's become his best friend, just like in Bucky, these three are all best buddies. Um, and, and my prediction has been that, you know, the dramatic part between Bucky and Sam in the Winter Soldier Falcon series is going to be Bucky talking Sam up to take up the mantle. That Falcon, you know, that Falcon is going to feel unworthy. Um, and, and the way that Steve has felt unworthy at times and that Bucky's going to be like, dude, you're the one. I know I'm the one who knows Steve from the beginning. And in a way, with him gone and Peggy gone, I know the most about Steve and I understand him the best. Um, here's him saying, I'm not going to tell you the details. You know, it's partially a nod to saving the time continuum, but partially it's a nod to uh, Joss Whedon's Serenity movie, where we keep getting signals throughout Firefly and Serenity. Here it is, the ending with Peggy Carter and, and Steve, which is so beautiful, which I had basically predicted, but was so thrilled happened, and was beautiful to watch, and I hope America loved this as much as me. I'm pretty sure they did. That's America's ass, after all, and now Peggy Carter, a big superstar. Oh, yeah, finally. Um with the old music and the old-fashioned ending. I think they even do the thing with a circle going in at the end, like it's an old um, sitcom, uh, which they're going to kind of do a version of with Wanda Vision. Oh, man, look at Haley Atwell. What a beauty. She's so good. She's so good. She doesn't say a word in this movie, but in two scenes, it's unforgettable. Spectacular acting. Um, In many ways, Bucky and Sam, it's going to be about Cap's legacy, obviously. So if Spider-Man movie was sort of closing the door and wrapping up and dealing with Iron Man's death, Bucky, Sam, there you go. Yeah, it was sort of a fade out. It was really nice. There you have it, folks. Um, And so, yeah, so... uh, and the Black Widow movie is going to deal, even though it takes place before Black Widow's death, um, it will be dealing with her past and coming to terms with her past as an assassin and not having a true family and so forth until the Avengers. Bucky and Sam is going to be dealing with Cap's passing um, and, you know, who's going to take up the mantle and how that's going to work. Um, but then we get WandaVision, which is the one... Uh, no, I'm sorry. And at... And, let me put it this way. And then, in terms of when these are being released, then we get WandaVision, which is, in terms of Wanda's character, going to lead directly to her being the co-star of Doctor Strange 2, 
um, uh, multiverse of madness with her and Doctor Strange. As I have said from the beginning, Wanda is going to end up being the most important uh, Avenger going forward because, and this was before they got Fox and the X-Men back, um, but she, she would be one, what I used to think she'd be one of the most important going forward because she was the new young female character and only really the second one after Scarlett Johansson is Black Widow. But as soon as they were trying to get X-Men back, I, I revised it and took a more extreme stance um, which, which I believe even more now seeing this movie which is Wanda is the most important Marvel Cinematic Universe character you know, not because of money reasons, because Captain Marvel and Black Panther are still going to make more and more money as they've already made, but because because of her role as the one who kills off most of the X-Men in the comics, you know, 20 years ago or whatever, here's the great credits where we see all the characters in stylized way. There's Tessa Thompson, Renee Russo, oh my god, so amazing things from Natalie Portman, Elizabeth Olsen, um... And uh, because she's so powerful, but disturbed, and because she's the one who kills the X-Men, it would be fitting that she would be actually the one to reintroduce the X-Men back into the comics with a connection to, if you guys haven't seen it, Deadpool 2, uh, where you know we are introduced to Cable, also played by Josh Brolin, who comes back from the future dealing with Hope. If you've read the comics, Hope's the first new mutant to be born in many, 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 many years because of uh, the Scarlet Witch having gone crazy and killed most of the mutant and there's a very long series of um uh uh there's a very long series of amazing comic books messiah complex uh and so forth that crosses x-men x-force x-factor and so forth cable in the mid sort of mid to late 2000s uh where you know, even Scott Summers as Cyclops and, uh, and Professor X are totally lost because there's only a handful of them left and, you know, the mobs are out to get them in, you know, one of the many dystopian futures that we see both on film and in the comic books with the X-Men. And Cable is actually protecting Hope, the first new mutant in many years, is protecting Hope not just from all these bad guys that want to murder mutants that we see all the time and the Sentinels and so forth... Um, but from Professor X and Scott Summers and so forth, who also could potentially misuse her um, or not know what to do with her in a way that's very reminiscent of Children of Men, which came out almost the same time in 2006, was around the time the House of M slash Messiah Complex Hope Cable stuff was happening, where... Uh, you know, Clive Owen is forced to help the the first pregnant woman in years because it, it's thought that the, the world has become infertile and so everyone's going crazy and killing each other because they've become nihilistic. He's recruited to the cause by Julianne Moore, unbeknownst to them, the Fishes, which is her sort of terrorist group trying to get the kid, are all are equal bad guys because they want to use the, the child, the first new child in like 10 years, also for political reasons. That's what essentially is happening with Ho. And so we get very complex portrayals of, um, of Professor X and Scott Summers and Emma Frost and so forth that we had not gotten before because it's not that they're out now bad guys, but it's that Cable being from the future and the one who raises Hope as his adoptive daughter essentially uh, knows what's going on. Anyways, 
amazing movie. My final point here was that it's clear that with Wanda being the one to go with her own TV show, Elizabeth Olsen, and in the movies with Doctor Strange, and she's even said in recent interviews, she's the most humble person ever. Uh, I don't think she grew up a nerd, but she's very steeped in X-Men and Scarlet Witch lore now, if you hear her talk about it, since she was given the role, um, or won the role, I should say, a bunch of years ago, leading up to Ultron. She said she thinks... Not her, the actress, but the character of the Scarlet Witch is the most important going forward, hinting at the X-Men connection, which I've been saying and thinking is inevitable. Um, And if that's true, then that's amazing, because I love Elizabeth Olsen, I love the Scarlet Witch, and that would make so much sense, because that would be a way of rebooting the X-Men without just firing all the the X-Men characters who, while the movies have not been awesome, uh, other than Days of Future Past, the cast, Jennifer Lawrence, McAvoy, Fassbender, Nicholas Holt, and even some of the youngins, like Sophie Turner, are great. So the way to reboot the X-Men in the MCU without losing continuity is actually to kill all of those characters by the hand of the Scarlet Witch going crazy. They will have to probably retcon her as a mutant, like her brother Quicksilver, played by Aaron Taylor Johnson, who dies in Ultron, obviously. But that is easy, because you can just say that the reason that they were chosen um, by um, Hydra to experiment on wasn't just that there were two random kids who hated Tony Stark and therefore were plotting their revenge as children or whatever because they were already manifesting powers. Hydra realized it thinking maybe they were inhumans. Turns out they were mutants. She's a mutant. She acts like a mutant. She's a mutant in all the recent comics. And that's going to be the connection to X-Men. So, okay. Sorry for the long postscript. I hope you enjoyed that. I had a short intro on purpose. Um, I got a lot of commentary in. I really, really love this movie. It's it's the least favorite of my Avengers movies, but I already kind of knew that in advance because it's hard for the final movie with everything that has to happen, uh, you know, to to close uh you know close all doors and windows so to speak but also leave the door open for the future but they did the right thing and they focused on the original avengers whether they were killed rest in peace tony stark and natasha romanoff or you know uh decided to go their own way like steve rogers or still around like hawkeye um um and uh the hulk and um uh, and well, I was going to say in Hawkeye, but we're going to see Hawkeye in the series dealing with his legacy and training his replacement, who's his daughter, Kate Bishop. I'm not sure why your last name is Bishop, but other than that, I know that Kate Bishop is very popular as the new Hawkeye in the comics. Um, and uh, you know, if they get someone like Haley Steinfeld or someone of her caliber is perfect because she's the one character we knew, like, just like uh, we, uh, you know, we had heard Elizabeth Olsen was going to get her own TV show, but then probably go back to the movies even before we got the announcement. Uh, us nerds who follow the stuff had also guessed that the one character, new character they were going to introduce who would start in the TV show but then go into the movies as a new Avenger um, or young Avenger or whatever you want to call him was Hawkeye's daughter Kate Bishop. As soon as they announced the series they confirmed that Kate Bishop uh, was going to be the co-lead with Hawkeye but we didn't know who it was. They've definitely for sure offered the role to Haley Steinfeld but her being so in demand in, in music as well as acting have her new show. She has her new show on Apple TV. Dickinson about Emily Dickinson that looks amazing. Um, I think the only reason she hasn't said yes yet is because it's complicated because she's signing basically a TV deal for probably just one season, but then it's also a movie deal that could span, you know, one to three solo movies and one to three team-up movies. And so that's a commitment for the next 10 years. Now, Marvel's done an amazing job because, you know, actors like Chris Evans, but especially Scarlett Johansson and Robert Downey Jr. and some of the other ones, you know, still want to be able to do other films, Elizabeth Olsen for sure, um, <clears throat> uh, 
uh, and so Marvel's done a great job of uh, Zoe Saldana, obviously, and huge demand, Chris Pratt, etc. Marvel's done a great job of working their film schedules, even for these giant epic movies, around their star actors who want to do other projects. And so I think if Haley is interested in being in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, replacing Hawkeye, who, you know, half the people love Renner and Hawkeye in the movies, half don't, but even the half that don't among the nerds love Hawkeye in the comics, and so to get the new Hawkeye, who will be more loyal to Kate Bishop in the comics than this Hawkeye, Jeremy Renner, is to Hawkeye in the comics, which is one of the main complaints of nerds, which I don't share or care about because I love Jeremy Renner and I love Hawkeye in the films, I think he's way more interesting as a family man than as a Lothario, which is his character in the comics, so I think Haley and her family, as they're her brain trust still pretty young um but she's a huge star are putting together the the numbers and and the logistics of okay how can we do you know a marvel tv series and one to six movies potentially over the next 10 years but still have my pop music career and still have my career doing uh, you know high-end tv and high-end movies so we will see from there god bless the original cast god bless all the new avengers wakanda forever avengers assemble thank you guys for being on this particular ride with me and for the ride from the Bizzlecast for the last four and a half years. I'm way more excited about the future of the MCU after this film than I thought I was going to be because I didn't love the Captain Marvel movie. I didn't love the Doctor Strange movie, but I really do like Brie as Captain Marvel and I really like Benedict Cumberbatch as Doctor Strange more and more over time with rewatches of those movies, but especially seeing them in the Avengers movies. And so because of that and because I love Black Panther... And I love the new movies they've announced. Um, obviously, the Black Widow movie is the soonest and the one I'm most excited about. So I'm actually more uh, optimistic in the future. And while I will continue to criticize Marvel for not having high stakes, um, you know, because they don't really kill people. I mean, they did kill two of their good guys, but they also brought some back from the past via time travel. Um, and so, you know, de- definitively killing good guys and bad guys the way we see in uh, in Star Wars, you know, it, it just never really happens. There's never blood. You rarely see good guys die in violent ways. I mean, Natasha falls off the cliff. We don't actually see her hit the ground. Tony is basically dead with the snap, but other than him sort of bleeding out a little bit and passing out, we don't even see his death. All the all the aliens and stuff are completely faceless and anonymous, but whatever. It's, it, look, the bottom line is, especially in comic movies, even way more than Star Wars, in which we need complicated villains like Darth Vader, slash Anakin Skywalker, and Kylo Ren, you, uh, and even Krennic in Rogue One, we need complicated bad guys thrown in the animated series. We need complicated bad guys in Star Wars. That's part of Star Wars. In Marvel, it's mostly one-dimensional bad guys other than Loki, um, but Thanos was behind Loki, you know, as we find out. Um, we need one-dimensional bad guys to rally the good guys and for the ass-beating. And, you know, I'll leave you with this. I just, I've said Scarlet Witch is the most important going forward. And the fact that she gets the closest to killing Thanos, I mean, she starts by throwing rocks at him. And then with that evil, you know, mischievous-slash-evil smile that we see at the beginning of Ultron from her, starts ripping him apart from the insides with her power. And the only reason she doesn't kill him is because... It, 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 like, she starts getting hit by, you know, proton, photon torpedoes from 
space or whatever from the ship before Captain Marvel blows it up. And the Russo's even said that she was about to kill Thanos. Like, they were playing it that way, as I mentioned. So, uh, you know, the show I'm most excited for is definitely WandaVision uh, because it's going to be weird and funny and very bizarre. Um, and because I love Elizabeth Olsen, but because I think she's so important going forward. I hope we get a team up with her and Carol. And a podcast that's coming soon, guys, is basically going to be entitled something along the lines of I love female superheroes, but not everyone does. And this could be a problem for Disney because more and more the lead characters in both Star Wars and Dis- and Marvel um, are female characters. If you look at all the movies coming up and the shows, other than Sam and Bucky, Black Widow, female lead, WandaVision. I mean, Wanda's certainly going to be the lead. They added her as a co-lead to Doctor Strange, which is their big Avengers movie in 2020. You know, Black Panther, T'Challa's the lead character, but his mom, sister, and, you know, and Koya and his, and his Dora Milaje bodyguards are also huge characters, and, and Shuri's the one people truly love. Um, and, you know, on and on and on. They're doing She-Hulk, they're doing Miss Marvel. Other than Moon Knight, who's going to be an amazing property, that's for another podcast. It's mostly women uh, characters from the comics that they're bringing in. I love it, as you guys know, um, and I'm thrilled about all this, um, but I'm wondering uh, if there's going to be a backlash among among Trumpers. But you know what I say to those people? Fuck you. (laughs) I'm sorry. If you made it this far... Fuck you if you can't deal with the fact that w- that women are going to be the ones mostly kicking ass, especially because they kick so much ass in the comics and the source material. Um, you know, just go find something else to enjoy, um, whether it's the Joker movie or Aquaman or Mission Impossible or whatever. Fast and the Furious, you know, very mas- you know, masculine, testosterone movies. Uh, go watch those movies. And I will end by saying I have promised myself and others I would never see another time. Tom Cruise movie again, uh, or at least action movie. Uh, but now, fuck, goddamn him. They had to go out and cast Haley Atwell as the lead in the next two Mission Impossible movies, so of course I'm going to see it, because I love Haley Atwell. I love Captain America. He's my favorite. He's the one that got me into the MCU against all odds as an X-Men guy who gave two shits about Captain America growing up. Cap immediately became my favorite superhero on screen, and ending it with him and Peggy Carter, and she's one of my other favorite superheroes on screen, um, was absolutely brilliant, even if predictable. Um, was what I wanted, was what I was hoping for. We got it, and you know, and, and that's Marvel. There are moments of darkness, there's moments of sadness, there's moments of seriousness, but in the end, it's, it's a feel-good franchise, and that's specifically why they're doing more dark stuff in Star Wars. Um, and they've always done more d- dark stuff in Star Wars, including the original movies, including the prequels, and, and that's why you need it as a contrast. But I'm very hopeful for the future. I can't wait for the Black Widow movie. More Marvel coverage um, and Star Wars coverage coming soon. May the force be with you, but for now, the Bizzlecast is out.